We're about to begin a journey through the cosmos. We'll encounter galaxies and suns and planets, life and consciousness coming into being, evolving and perishing. Worlds of ice and stars of diamond, atoms as massive as suns, universes smaller than atoms. Welcome back, guys, to Breaking the Stigma with Blokes Prosper. I'm your co-host, Harry, and unfortunately today we don't have Austin on this episode, but uh, we've got the incredible Watto, the Sunshine Coast legend with a mullet as incredible as his drive for life and his passion for helping others through his gym, uh, Vibes Fitness over at Caloundra. So if you're in the area and you're looking for somewhere to go, make sure you check that place out. But today we follow Watto's story. Uh, his mental health journey over the past couple years and uh, we cover a lot of detail about a particular event that happened on uh, a night out or a day uh, on Australia Day of 2016. Uh, Find out all about that in this episode. So uh, we hope you guys enjoy. Make sure if you can, uh, share our podcast, uh, support us in any way possible to help us grow. Uh, We'd love for more young men and women and uh, all in between to hear this story and the many more we've got coming up so thanks everyone for supporting us and watching and we can't wait for you to listen i'm happy with that <laughs> talk all day <laughs> well dude mate thanks so much for coming on we've got what i hear mate quick couple questions mate what's going well in life right now yeah a few things right now um obviously i'm in business at the moment uh well, for the last few years but at the moment it's uh, sort of got my main attention now that we've just finished up a bit of footy so uh when footy season's going i'm 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 fairly into that as well uh so that finished up a couple of weeks ago so working on a few things there in terms of upskilling got a business coach on board in the last couple of months and um yeah working pretty closely with them which is cool um so yeah looking to level up there over the next uh, sort of period until sort of footy rolls around. But, yeah, that's sort of going to be my focus at the epic, moment. Epic, mate. And I saw the mullet got mentioned on Instagram today on the <laughs> AFL page. That's yeah. got to be up there with what's going well right now. Yeah, no, it's up there. <laughs> it, uh, they could have picked a better photo, to be honest. But uh, they, they chose – at the start of the year, because I had the, the man bun, I cut that back into a mullet, and yeah. it was pretty bloody full on the, the way it was looking. So I've slowly trimmed back, and now it's more – Classy than anything else at the moment. It's as classy as you get in terms of mullets at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> um, some of them are pretty filthy on theirs, but um, yeah, not not a bad gig. I'm getting rid of it pretty soon. I think. Yeah, uh, it's it's run its course. Yeah, and it's uh, Uncle Hingy. Yeah, up down there. Tyler, yep. Shout out to him. He's the man. Yeah. He's my man. He sorted me out. I remember when I was. Um, had the man bun and uh, the, all the boys were going to see him to get their hair cut. I remember messaging him and sent him a photo of Bailey Smith and I was like, you reckon you can cut this? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, I can do it. And it took it took a couple of months and eventually I was like, all right, I'm just going to go down and get it done and uh, went down and, yeah, he, he was he was loving it, at, <laughs> loving, the, <laughs> loving the, the challenge of it. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty filthy at first, but he's, he's, he's good now. I see him every few weeks and he just touches me up yeah. and uh, sorts it out, makes Epic. it look slick. And is the missus an advocate? No, nah, not at all. Not so, at all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not at all. I think uh, when I was saying I was going to get it, she was a big no-no. She's like, don't do it, don't do it. And then anyway, she calmed down with me when I did it. So she watched the whole process and, uh, yeah, she's been into me ever since to get rid of it. So she gets her wish very, very soon. And, yeah. Uh, short back and sides probably stick it oh, nice, no. nice and simple. <laughs> Mate, it's like the trademark. I've only ever seen you with the mullet. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
First of all, you're playing footy out, yeah. playing against Moreton Bay. Yeah. Uh, with that mullet f- it flowing around. in the wind. <laughs> yeah. It, um, yeah, man, it just looks like a party. Yeah, it's it was awesome. A, it was a bit of a statement, wasn't it, at first? At first, all the boys were saying that out in the field. It was, uh, yeah, it was it was noticeable. But, um, yeah, you, not a lot of people don't. Well, anyone who's met me this year just thinks I've got the mullet. But, yeah, uh, yeah before that, it was the man bun. And then when I first moved up here, I had the man bun. And um, all the mate, all the boys at footy, and they were like, I "Can't picture you with short hair. Can't picture you." With short hair. I'm like, "Yeah, well, you'll see it eventually." And yeah. then, yeah, went the mullet. So, yeah. well, I'm going to get that up on the Blokes Prosper Instagram. Do it, mate. So, if you're listening, it's going to be on there. <laughs> and, mate, what are you proud of yourself for doing in your lifetime? Oh, that's a good question, my friend. Um, whole range of things, um, I think. Yeah. I think probably uh, first thing that comes to mind when you mention it is. Um, I was probably 18, 19 Living in Brizzy And uh, wasn't really happy with w- w- where I was at And where I was performing And I always had a, had a, I had a gut feeling That um, I was capable of more um, And I think for me Breaking out of the cycle Of just being down there Around the people that I was around I was just going to fall into the rut of um, you know, Doing what everyone else was doing yeah. um, So I, I made the decision um, Without You know any backing from anyone else really apart from myself to move up here and launch a business and uh, at the time that business I had no idea I'd I'd never run one and uh, you know I'd only recently become a PT so I was very um, lowly lowly, uh, experienced I guess and I just made the plunge um, and yeah, moved up here and just moved my whole life and, and just ripped in I really did I really just ripped in and I've never looked back until you know we have conversations like this, I guess, that it, yeah. it brings it to light. Otherwise, you're just kind of in the game doing your thing. But, um, yeah, it's probably what I'm most proud of, I guess, is, is, is launching a business up here and moving my life up here. And I made some awesome friends up here, brought my beautiful girlfriend up with me as well, and we've been able to create a, um, a life that we love and a lifestyle we love. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably the, the number one thing that comes to mind. Yeah, that's unreal, man. And I was just speaking to some of the boys about this the other day, and it's, you know, letting your heart be your compass mm. Like, you know, you can think you might be in the right spot or, Mm. you know, think your way through things. But, you know, when you feel into what it is you want to do and you follow what your heart wants, Mm. then, you know, things work out. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And you've just got to – you get that feeling – you just got to go all in on it. Hey, I know it's yeah. easy for me to say because I've done it and there's probably a lot of people uh, listening that, you know – maybe can relate in terms of just doing their everyday trade or job or whatever it is yeah. and, and just doing it because that's what you think you've got to do or that's what your parents did. And I think being able to break that um, and take the plunge, although, you know, it's nerve-wracking. Oh, my hand was forced a little bit through the process. Yeah. You know, I was going through a fair bit at the time that sort of uh, catapulted me to do it. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, I think for anyone listening now who's just like, you know, I wouldn't mind doing this, all I can recommend is just go and have a crack and, you know, from there things will flow and you'll get a result. You'll either, you know, become and get what you want or you won't and, you know, you, you just try something else and, and have a crack somewhere else. So you can always go back to doing what you were doing, I guess, as well. That's it. You never fail. You only learn. That's it, mate. That's yeah. it. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, dude, take us back to the very start, mate, your childhood. Where were you born? What was your family like? Where was school? Yeah. So I, I grew up uh, north side of Brisbane um, in uh, sort of Strathpine, Launton, and I was there till, yeah, moved up here. So yeah. grew up there, stayed there the entire trip. Um, and yeah, grew up there just as... Um, I'd sound silly, but an ordinary kid. There was nothing really early on. I mean, I had a little brother in my family and just rolled through the local primary school, um, played a bit of footy, and I got introduced to AFL when it's a lot bigger now. But back then, AFL was um, not as big, so that was a little bit 
Yeah. Everyone played rugby or something like that. It's there very, wasn't many. Yeah, very Queensland, North, yeah. North Brisbane especially. Mm. Like getting your league, you know. Yeah, Brisbane Broncos are huge. Yeah, in the big area. time. Yeah. So playing that through primary school, that's all I knew. I'd never played anything else. And then I got to high school, um, and I just went to. I went to the high school that my mum went to. So um, in terms of, I guess going through the motions of what your parents did, that yeah. kind of comes into that. So, yeah, went there. Um, and everyone there played rugby. So I was kind of not an outsider, but I was one of the only kids playing AFL yeah. um, at that school um, for sure. There might have been two or three of us max. And I ended up playing a little bit of rugby at yeah. school. And I didn't mind it. It's not a bad game. Yeah. And I watch it still. Um, but I was an AFL boy through and through. But, um, yeah, I, I, I was a go-getter as a kid and um, – Went quite well at AFL and, and was picked up at an early age into the uh, – it was newly then the Lions Academy system. So yeah. they started to recognise talent at a young age that they thought they could mould and create and fast-track um, AFL growth in because uh, at, at that stage Queenslanders weren't getting drafted a lot. So they created an academy, try and fast-track these kids, catch them up to the Victorians and the South Australians. Yeah. Um, so it was just an extra training session or two each week uh, as well as playing a bit of club footy. So, yeah, club footy was, was going quite well. Uh, and then was playing and training with them in the off-season and um, eventually you go into a, a sort of um, state footy at 16 and state footy at 18. And uh, I played 16 state uh, for Queensland. Went, went all right. We play in a different division. We don't really get to play against Victoria at that yeah. stage. We just play against New South Wales and whatnot, whatnot. So at that stage, you know, my aspirations were to play AFL football. Like yeah. It just was. And, um, yeah, got a few nicknames at school. But, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it, was, uh, it was all good. I was more than happy to do that. Uh, and then, yeah, at 18s, Level played state underage, so uh, played at se- played eighteen state at seventeen, yeah. and there was not many kids doing that at that point. So you know, I thought my chances were pretty good. Well, I was happy to go through the process. I guess didn't think my chances were good as such, but I was, you know thought I was a you know a red hot red hot chance to you know talk to you know anything could happen from this point. I yeah. guess, um, and then played state eighteens. Didn't have a, like a, a fantastic year, like a solid year playing state footy yeah. um, at that level. And in Queensland, you've really got to stand out to be yeah. any sort of chance. Like you really had to, um, you know, make a statement, I guess. And um, yeah, I just played some serviceable footy at, at that level. And um, yeah, from there, wasn't wasn't selected in any sort of. Uh, or didn't you know go to any clubs or draft or anything like that? Uh, went back and played just state level footy for Aspley, um, who was my club all through youth footy. So I love them. Um, had a great time there, and yeah, started playing some senior footy at seventeen. Yeah. So, so uh, running around with the big blokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you know playing against kids at your age, but they were elite level kids that we were playing against. Of course, the yeah. you know, best from the other states, but it was still different to playing against men uh, when you make that jump. So I, when I went back and played, I played a bit of resies for the seniors. And met some good fellas where I met uh, Maddie Nickerson back yeah. then, uh, and met, met the shout gecko. out Maddie. Yeah, shout out Maddie. Met the gecko there, yeah. and um, so you know th- there was a fair few older blokes that I got amongst, I guess, and you know involved in in, in that lifestyle of you know what um, you know older footy players are doing. So I guess um, started to hang around them a lot more as opposed to my schoolmates and yeah. such. So yeah, I, I sort of didn't mature through that process, but you know I was starting to hang around different people. I guess different influence. Yeah, different yeah. influence. Started doing different things. That remember one of the first nights I went out on a fake ID when I was 17 because one of the sponsors of the footy club we'd go back there and do awards um, after the game there's no one there but I couldn't get in because I was still 17 playing senior so I couldn't go back for the awards unless I tried this ID so um, and then I'd go out on a couple of nights and start to go into that party mode I guess a little bit at a a younger age than 
uh, you know, what other guys were and, you know, got a taste for that as well. So, yeah, um, yeah that's that's sort of how it worked. And uh, by that point, I was studying to be a teacher at uni. Yeah, I was going uh, to ask usually when, you know, you're really committed in mm. your sport, sometimes, you know, school becomes just a yeah. bit of a place to be yeah. rather than commit to. Were yeah. you always committed to school? Yeah, 100%. It's, uh, and, and you know, my, my parents weren't like, hey, you've got to get good grades or anything like that. I just wanted to be good at everything I did. I didn't yeah. want to – I really um, – yeah, I, I really didn't, uh, I guess, slacken off in school at all. Yeah. Um, towards the end of grade 12, um, you know, I sort of just started to cruise through where I could have, you know, done a bit more. But I decided uh, at the start of year 12 or year 11, whenever it was, that I was wanted to be a teacher if this footy thing didn't go through. Yeah. Because um, I wasn't certain on anything else. There was a few of the boys that... You know, we're doing physio and all this sort of stuff. And I still believe I could have done that if I really went after it and, and you know, got the grades and, and did the subjects. Um, and I decided to be a teacher. I think you needed an OP13, yeah. um, something like that. And I was happy to just cruise through grade 12 doing <laughs> doing the bare minimum to get that. And I got a single-digit OP in the end and just sort of rolled through and, and did the footy thing as a priority. Yeah. And uh, But didn't take the piss with school at all either. You know, I sort of did... Um, enough to get into the course that I wanted to get into. Yeah. Uh, and a few of the boys were going to do trades and stuff like that. I was never interested or in that. Um, I was always more, yeah, going to uni. I was going to go to uni for something. Yeah. Uh, and I went for teaching. Um, my mum's a teacher. So, again, as we touched on earlier, just sort of going through the motions of yeah. what you know. Um, and, you know, once I got to uni, I, I didn't realise at the time, but I continued to just do the bare minimum. I was happy to just get fours and pass and yeah. do what was required. And I think that um, was what made me realise that I was never really super passionate about teaching, you yeah. know. And I still look back and um, if there were some events that didn't happen and go down the way they did, I would probably be a teacher in Brisbane right now. Yeah, uh, wow. So well, I, I can only assume, you know, my hand was forced to not complete that course for a number of reasons, um, which is crazy to think about that, you know, I might have just – cruise through had a few things that at the time were uh, life-changing uh, for all sorts of wrong reasons have now you know put me in a position up here now where I'm actually doing what I love and got a lifestyle I love so it's pretty crazy to think about it like that as well um, so yeah the, the teaching thing was yeah just to sort of go through the motions um, so yeah it was uh, yeah around that time that I was playing a bit of footy bit of uni just cruising and um, yeah then had my hand forced through um, some other events to sort of change it up I guess yeah and you know when you do look at those sort of moments in your life where you know they might not be favourable mm-hmm. or not where you wanted to be yeah but that's sort of testament to you say where you are now where mm-hmm. you're happy running your business you're up here on the coast where you know you could have been in Brisbane being yeah. a school teacher yeah. Where things happen for a reason. Oh, 100 percent, brother. I agree, and that's that's the way you've got to look at it. It's the way I always have, um, and a lot of people, a lot of people have asked me like, "Fuck, you know, what happened to you was so unfair. I feel so bad." Blah blah blah. And you know, to a certain extent, it it obviously wasn't ideal. But my response to them is, you know, me and you probably wouldn't be having this conversation. I, if it's a friend that's saying that to me, I'm sort of telling them, you know, we might not even be friends right now. Like I've met you through this process, and you know, I'm up here on this coast through this process, and. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the way you've got to look at it. And uh, it's just my mindset with, with it, I guess, as well. So, um, yeah. 100%. And mate, we'll get into that event that yeah, you're referencing. Sure. A lot of yeah. people won't understand yeah. or yeah. ever have, you know, seen who you are. Yeah. And, mate, I was first introduced to who you were through mm. your thanks video. Yeah. Uh, I'd seen you out there playing on the footy yeah. field and saw that big mullet and that passion, <laughs> mate, flowing out of you. And I thought, who's this bloke? Who yeah. is he? And, uh you know, Kieran had said, oh, you know, that's Watto. Yeah. Um, and then 
you know, a few weeks later, I saw that video pop yeah. up and, mate, the way you told your story and the authenticity that you have mm. and the openness to just share mm. is so powerful, man. And a lot of young people through hearing your story today are going to hear that and certainly have somewhere to relate to. So, mate, I know there's a... a a day you'll take us back to yep. when, you know, we got up to that point, you're yeah. at uni, uh, yeah. playing a bit of footy, yeah. you know, living that life. Take us back to that day. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's a good point. And I haven't fully grasped the, the power of it either. And I've had a lot of great feedback on that video in particular. And I can't thank Curly enough for the way that uh, thanks were able to get that out. I was so happy with how it came out. And uh, it, we had... We probably had hours more footage and, and we could have gone so much deeper with a whole range of things. But I think the way that um, Curly got that video done was just perfect in, in, in how it went and how it was personal to me as yeah. opposed to taking the situation and trying to spin that in any particular way. Because, I mean, the situation is what it is. Um, it was more touching on and what we're going to touch on the process of where I was at at that point and how I handled it and how I went through it and how I've responded. So um, I thought he did a really good job of, of emphasising that. So Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, he did great. Yeah, I get goosebumps watching mm. that video. So do I, bro. And, and the way that, even just the way, like the music they've picked and everything yeah. like that, like oh, it man. gets you emotional. Yeah, uh, yeah, it does. Hey, and even thinking about it now, it's it's giving me a few goosebumps because yeah. um, I watched it quite a few times at first. Um, to just sort of let it all sink in, uh, especially when it went public, because Curly sent it to me before it went out, and I watched it, and I was like, "Yep, sweet." But then once it's actually out there, it's different. It feels different again. You're yeah. like, you know, who's watching this sort of thing? And um, but the the, res the feedback was great from a lot of people close to me. It was always going to be, but um, the, I guess the people that were reaching out um, that you know I didn't really know uh, was was the best part. And uh, you know, there's a few different um, stories from people that. You know, they'd showed the video to so-and-so, a young fellow that they knew, or there was a teacher that showed it to their class and um, had a profound effect on them. I think that's really where it's serving its purpose for me because um, you know, a lot of people close to me, they know me. They know that I'm not, um, you know, what I was being made out to be at the time and they know how I've responded. So for them watching the video, it was, you know, kind of cool, obviously, but I think the way it reached... Uh, so many people that I I don't even know and, and, you know, I'll probably never meet, but yeah. if I'm still able to impact them, I think that's um, awesome. And it's a value close to me is, uh, you know, serving and, and as helping as many people as I can. Uh, and we touch on that in the video a fair bit, how I've got my gym. I'm able to service and, and, you know, help a lot of people in their everyday lives. But if I can reach more people through uh, platforms like this and, and through that video, then, uh, you know, that that means a whole lot to me as well. So, um, yeah, it came up really good. I'm, uh, go have a watch of it if you haven't watched it already. It's, yeah, uh, we'll um, put a link to that in the yeah. podcast notes as well. Yeah, But, yeah, take that us day, back yeah. to that day, man. Yeah, so um, it's always tricky to explain this uh, and I don't want to, you know, take ages to sort of go into the details, I guess, but um, the way it went down around that period of, uh, you know, uni and uh, footy, um, and being introduced to that party culture, uh, we had a uh, Australia Day party, um, essentially, with, with a few mates. And on that day, I had a lot of my close friends there um, at the time. And there was quite a few of the girls there, you know, partners and whatnot. Uh, I think my partner at the time was there as well. 
it's just testing me a little bit now. There was yeah. a heap of people there, probably 20, 25 people yeah. at this party. Um, and we were obviously on the source on a stray day who isn't by the pool yeah, getting stuck in. And uh, there was uh, a particular bloke there. And this is the first, maybe second time I've met him. So yeah. personally, I don't really know this guy at all. Um, but he seemed all right. He, you know, um, was drinking with us. And um, I think, you know, when you're around people that... When I was around those mates that I was with, you assume they're much like them as well. Yeah. That's the automatic assumption. Um, but at the same time, I didn't know him too well, of course. Um, so we're getting stuck in. We're in the Terps, uh, smacking some beers back as you do um, when you're 18 and on Australia Day. And um, we're probably stuck in from, I don't know, 10, 11 in the morning and um, mucking around all day. We played a fair bit of uh, cricket in the, in the backyard. Yeah. Uh, and we had the boxing gloves out at one stage, just sort of sparring a little bit, mucking around. Blokes being blokes. Yeah. Uh, well, boys being boys. I should say more yeah. so at that young point. Young Australian boys. It's yeah, young culture. Aussie boys. Yeah, it's culture. Yeah. yeah, we've got a few overseas listeners too. Yeah, okay. Um, so like yeah. reference to Australia Day would be what Fourth of July. Yeah, hundred sort of percent. Like, like Australian Independence yeah. sort of day. Just yeah, party out yeah. in the sun, summertime. Yeah. Know, Thirty Australian. degrees, beaming hot, DTs yeah. on, had the budgie smugglers on that day, and yeah. uh, just riven in. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, smack them out the beers. Anyway, yeah, we're, we're just been doing that sort of thing, playing a bit of cricket, uh, doing a bit of boxing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and this is a long time ago for me. And my recollection, uh, we don't go into this on the video. My recollection of that day is very, very, very vague. Like I can remember bits and pieces now, and that's probably more a time thing, but also the fact that I was highly intoxicated. Um, but yeah, bits and pieces come back to me. Um, my recollection of uh, a certain event that happened on that day is hugely uh, moulded on a couple of videos that they allege that I filmed. Yeah. Uh, and that's sort of where I can picture myself and base sort of what happened. So one of the boys had too much to drink um, and he's sort of, you know, in and out of um, consciousness. You know, he needs to go have a lay down. And uh, so he heads into the bottom room and uh, one of the boys is like, you know, it'd be funny if we... Um, you know, suck a bottle up his ass sort of thing, wake him up and, you know, get him to come back out and keep drinking or whatever, right? Um, that's not solid, but that's my recollection of what I think was happening um, at the time. It was uh, no malice or anything like that. It was just literally a, a piss take of a joke that yeah. we thought um, would be funny. And in that split second, we go in, um, they allege that I uh, film the incident uh, and I actually don't think I do, but that is allegedly what they they say i do um and yeah you can see one of the boys reach over stick the bottle up near his bum and uh you know a couple of us in the background are laughing goes for about 10 seconds uh and uh that's pretty much it right this is the video that's as far as i can tell you what happened in that room yeah. based on this video uh anyway he comes back out uh at some point and continues drinking with us um, I don't know whether that was straight away or, or later or if he had a little sleep or whatever, but he comes out, keeps drinking with us, um, and, you know, we're laughing about the video, et cetera, et cetera. And at the time, it's it's not um, challenged, I guess. It, it seems that that was, you know, okay. It wasn't like come out and go, boys, that's not sweet. You know, I wasn't cool with that sort of thing. It was it was all good. Um, and, you know, he'd obviously have a fair bit to whether he, he fully understood what was happening at the time, whether we fully understood what we'd done at the time, you know, but it will happen so quick, I guess, as well, right? So we continue on that uh, afternoon, drinking, whatever, day wraps up. Um, and then I don't see this bloke ever again or nearly ever again. I, I don't see him for a couple of years. I don't really have anything to do with him. Uh, but from that point, that's January of 2016, I believe, uh, in October of 2016, so I think we're talking eight months later, it was around eight or nine months later, um, I'm on prac for uni, yep. so I'm out of school and um, 
doing my first prac. I'm a couple of days off finishing my first uh, two-week block and I get a call from my mum and uh, she's like, yeah, hey, uh, the police are at our house. They're looking for you. And I'm sort of thinking, you know, I'm, I, I know I'm out in the piss a fair bit, but I haven't done anything stupid. Like, I don't get into fights. I haven't done anything illegal. I haven't... Vandalised or... Yeah, I haven't done... done I'm not a bad kid. Yeah, I've never been in any trouble. You know, in school I was like, you know, would play up a little bit and, and joke around, but I was never, you know, suspended or for fighting or anything like that. So I'm thinking, what the, what the hell? Like, what have I got? <laughs> what do they want? And uh, she said, it's pretty serious. You need to come home now. Uh, and I was sort of a little bit like, you just get that feeling in your gut that something's not sweet, and especially when your mum calls you and says that sort of thing. You're like, this is not right. And so instantly I was sort of thinking, all right, I've got to get out of here. So I just told my teacher, I was like, I've got to go. I've got something on, so I bailed on that. Uh, And I was driving home, and she called me again, and she said, yeah, so they've left now, but they had a search warrant. And I was like, what? Like a search warrant for what? I don't know. If someone stashed drugs in my house or something, yeah. I'm like, what's going on yeah. here? A search warrant for what? Yeah, when that news came through, yeah. those, you know, from hearing the news, mm. the feelings when, you know, you're driving home, mm. how, how would you describe you felt? Like, what was your state? Yeah, uh, yeah, good question. I was, it was adrenaline, it really was. It was like, uh, and I can sort of feel it even now when we're talking about it, because I can picture different points where I'm driving along. I remember I was on the Hornybrook Bridge, and I remember just being like, yeah, in a state of, you know, what's happening and and the heart was racing and um, I was just sort of going with the flow. I was like, I need to get home and sort this out. And I called my mum back along the way and she said, you know, they've left. They've left a search warrant. They wanted your laptop and your phone. And I was thinking, like, for <laughs> what? Like, yeah. what's going on? And she said, yeah, we'll talk about it when you get home. So anyway, I get home, probably 20, 25 minutes of driving in the car by myself with the heart thumping and, and just adrenaline thinking, what's going on here? And then, uh, yeah, my mum and dad are there and we, we go through the sort of search warrant. And there's a – it says, you know, you've, it's alleged that you've done this with these people and this is the charge. And I looked at it and I, I, I can't – take it back to that exact moment that I read it, but I remember just being in a state of shock at that point because yeah. it read that I was alleged with and charged with rape and I had a second charge for uh, distribution of an, a, a, an illegal video, essentially, yeah. right? which I didn't really care at the time. The first one, when the word rape popped, I was like, what? And then I read it further and I was thinking, you know, like, what, I haven't fucking raped anyone. And then it said you did it with three, three, three people and they had the names. And I was like, at this point, I'm just thinking, what the fuck like we didn't do that and you know then it says the victim and it was that bloke's name and i was just at this point like they're alleging that i've raped another bloke with three other blokes like and i'm not just speechless at this point and then it sort of daunted on me a little bit more when it had the the distribution of a video etc um then i checked my phone and scrolled back and uh and this is the only day i'd met that bloke the only interaction i'd had with him so i sort of worked it out that you know, this may be the case. And I'm looking at the video and I'm thinking, well, like, is, are they really trying to say this is that? You know what yeah. I mean? And I, I was thinking at the time, like, fuck, fuck this is pretty full on. Um, and I didn't think at the time. I was like, my mum was very, very sure. And she was more saying, you know, it's going to be okay. Um, you know, we'll just get this sorted. It's just going to be a misunderstanding yeah. and doing as much as they, she can with the reassurance side of things. But it said, um, that, you know, you'd been charged, you need to hand yourself in, blah, blah, blah. Um, and at this point they'd gone and um, gone to the other boys' houses and they'd already picked up two of them. Yep. So by talking to their parents, we knew that two of the boys were in custody and had been taken away. And I was just thinking, fuck, 
Like yeah, so that's the process from there. That's once. the process, yeah. So they got the other two boys, and uh, they were just going to be. They were obviously home at the time that they turned up. Yeah, um, and took them at the time, and that from memory, it was pretty. It wasn't like. Hey, get on the floor and, you know, rest. It was like, hey, this has happened. And the police were like, you just need to come with us. We're going to process you and we're going to let you out. And, you know, you're going to deal with this in court. It wasn't, you know, anything, any malice with it. Um, so, yeah, we, we spoke to a lawyer and they sort of said, spoke to the police. And the police just said, yeah, look, just hand yourself over and uh, we'll process you as quick as we can. Um, and you'll be out. You know, you've got, you'll, you'll get your bail, I guess, was the, was the process. Yeah. We didn't have to pay for bail. It was just, you'll be, you, you'll be get it, you'll be sweet. You'll be able to go out and, and deal with this in the court. So, uh, yeah, that day I went and handed myself over and, uh, it was a Friday afternoon. I remember it. And, um, I remember driving there, they were saying, you know, we don't get your pro Cause I, cause they got the other boys early. They were getting processed and, and done. And, it took a couple of hours for us to sort of, you know, get our heads at that point and get a lawyer and uh, my uncle's a copper and we spoke to him and we were selected with who we told as well because it's not something you just want to go gas packing about either. Yeah. It's sort of all in the, in the rush of it. So, um, yeah, it's probably two or three o'clock by the time I hand myself over and we go into the Brisbane Watch House and they process you, take your mug shots and fingerprints and in there with uh, just a couple of drunken idiots at the time. It yeah. wasn't too much. And um, that's all within the space of half a day. Oh, half a day. So I wake up that day, I go to uni, I'm finishing my second last day. I'm pretty sure I had the Monday to go of prac. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, within three or four hours, I'm in, a, in, in the Brisbane Watch House locked up, uh, being processed for a rape charge essentially. Yeah. And that all happened within one day, yeah. which is just yeah, a spin out when you – I've got goosebumps thinking about it now that we're talking about it. And you saying that with feeling those feelings mm. because – you know, like there's the conscious mind, mm. which is here processing. Yeah. Like, you know, picking up that that thing's yellow. Yeah. That, you know, you've got our colour hairs, stuff mm. like that. But that subconscious mind, that stores all the memories and everything like mm. that. And that doesn't know the difference between time. Correct. Yeah. So you thinking those things yeah. is putting yourself physically back like in that situation. Physiologically back in that space. Mm. So, and for you to be able to tell the story mm. with, con- you know, conviction, say it, with authenticity, yeah, means that you've certainly visited that time, yeah, within yourself quite a number of times, man. So many times over, yeah. yeah. And yeah, now you say it like that, it's so true. And uh, we were touching on it earlier before we jumped on here that I'm so totally content with how it went down and how I've handled it. And uh, you know, I didn't want to jump into it earlier when you said how proud, what's you know, what are you proud of? Um, but it certainly is one of the things that I'm most proud of is how I handled that situation. And um, it only gets a bit crazier from this point on in yeah. the story. Um, but even that point there, I just remember just sort of running on, I'll call it instincts at the time. Like I didn't, you know, curl, curl, curl up on a ball and cry and, you know, I just fronted up and said, oh, I'm going to get this done and go through whatever we need to go through yeah. and um, always held my head high through the whole process because I didn't want to let it tarnish me, I guess. But, yeah, at the same time, I just stayed true to who I was yeah. and it was all on instinct how you react to those things. It's fight or flight uh, in a lot of ways um, with, with some of it because it would have been easy to just, you know, melt and in that situation and, you know, I'm not going in. I'm not, and I was like, I'll just go through this process, do what we need to do. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, it was a crazy day, though, when I think back to it now and the way we, you know, woke up and went to uni. Six hours later and it's... Six hours later, yeah. Place. And I had so many things going through my mind because I'm thinking, fuck, you know, I was at uni today and you know what's gonna happen with my uni what's gonna happen with my footy who's gonna find out about this was one of the first things that i was really thinking i'm like how can we keep this quiet like is this gonna go on the new and they were saying things like you know 
it'll probably go on the news tonight. And I'm pretty sure it was on that Friday night news that yeah. um, they got it that quickly. Because I remember coming out of the watch house and there was some camera crews. Um, and I remember just being like, because it was about five o'clock, maybe there's some camera crews just rolling footage of me walking out. And I wasn't trying to hide. I just walked with my head up and I was just took it. And uh, it went up that night, at, you know. Blah, blah, blah. I don't think they released names at that point and I don't think they rolled that footage, but there was plenty more footage come out yeah. at different stages and, uh, you know, my mates still give me shit about it now these yeah. days, um, some of those photos and stuff uh, that happened. So, Which um, I can imagine is very surreal. Yeah. And, you know, take us back to being in that watch house. Mm. I remember in your thanks video you yeah. saying you had this feeling throughout that I don't belong here, I'm, I'm yeah. not some criminal. Yeah. And the title associated mm. with what they wanted to charge oh, yeah. you with when people say rape you think of something completely different you do not, don't you not the yeah. scenario that you've explained yeah. that happened that day yeah so. and i i try and i'm open with the word at the moment but i try and just avoid saying it at all costs and yeah. now for me forever that word whenever it's mentioned anywhere it like you said earlier it just takes me straight back to that situation yeah. uh even if you hear it on the news and or whatever or you know someone says it in public or you know you may say it or whatever instantly for me it's like all right that's right that it's, happened it's, it's just a trigger. constant trigger um not that it's you know like it, i would rather it have not happened and i'm totally okay with it but it's still a trigger that i'll have to live with forever that yeah. word and how it was you know drawn to my name i guess and how that situation went down when it was just so you know not like that by the letter of the law it, it clearly is and yeah. you know we were um obviously found guilty of that so it, it is what it is down to the absolute letter of the law um unfortunately for, for us i guess and there was no real uh, we'll get probably get to that later and, and how yeah. that went down but um yeah that that day in the watch house was my first experience I mean, there was a couple of drunken idiots and it was more just a couple of hours photo out uh when we were sort of convicted was when i had a real experience in the watch house uh later on this is maybe 18 months later and then obviously uh from there dealing, dealing with some different people in uh in the big house of course as well so that was the time period between yeah uh, you know having your charges read out to mm. you being processed in the watch yep. house and then how long between that and say going to court yeah this is a tricky process and something that i was so totally, totally new with like, i had no idea about court so we were we were processed we got bail we weren't allowed to talk to each other so at the time i was charged with my best mate yeah. literally for the last year before that 18 months couldn't separate us so straight away lost him and contact with him we weren't allowed for legal reasons to chat our parents could still chat and then that was tricky because you know we had mutual friends and we went through 18 months of you're gonna go to his birthday all right well i can't go all right yeah. and yeah i'll go to this birthday oh is he going it just was a shit show really but um we we stuck to that like we did what we were supposed to do we didn't break that at any point and um we didn't chat there was a night where, where i think we were out in the piss in the clubs and sort of locked eye contact and it was like we can't chat to each other, you yeah. know, and... Uh, it's usually that point when you go, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, bro, what's going on? But, you know, it was just like a look of, can't talk to you, mate, because we're yeah. going through this process. So, yeah, it was probably 18 months, nearly two years before it hit uh, a trial. Yeah. And in that time, we tried to obviously get it sorted without having to do a trial because of the severity of the charge. Uh, and there's a... 
there's so much um, that I'd love to know in terms of how we couldn't get that sorted yeah. uh, and what was going through at the time of the, the victim's mind and, you know, why he pushed it as far as he did to uh, put it to a trial is beyond me uh, and I would love, 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 love to know, uh, but, you know, I probably never will because we wanted to mediate. We were happy to sit down and say, sorry, hey, mate, we'll delete the video. Um, you know, we didn't realise at the time that you weren't cool with it. Um, you know, we didn't share it on, uh, like, our Facebook's, timeline or anything like that like it got sent in a group chat with the people that were at the party and then it was forgotten about for eight months until i was fair i got told about it right and the story goes that uh my mates who well the mate that i had that i was charged with that was mates with him that brought him to the party uh resurfaced the video in uh september something like that uh and his partner has caught wind of it at that point so it was sent in a different group chat to people i don't know with the victim, yeah, uh, and his partner was in that, and it was something along the lines of it was his birthday, and my mate sent it and said, "You don't want to get this drunk this weekend." Something like that yeah. uh, was brought up in court. Um, so she's seen it at some point, and I, uh, maybe at that point, uh, well, it has to be at that point. Uh, you know, she said, "Hey," to her partner, "That's not cool. You shouldn't be cool with that." She's taken exception to what we did, uh, and then only then was it brought to. Um, obviously the police and we were charged and they went through that process. So that's frustrating for me in a lot of ways because at the day it was okay uh, and then the next day it was sent in a group chat with him and he was – didn't – you know, I think that it's in open court that he actually laughs back at the video. He says, ha, ha, ha. Whether or not he didn't mean that ha, ha, ha and he was playing along because, you know, he didn't want to speak up, I don't know. Um, but it's still frustrating for me at that point that, you know, I think that's okay yeah. or he thinks that's okay and then eight months later someone else sees it. Either they open his eyes to it not being okay then or he thinks it the whole time but he doesn't have the courage to come forward um, I'll never know and that's where the frustration lies not that he didn't come forward but the frustration for me is just not knowing where he was at and uh, I just think we could have been solved so much easier yeah. and before that um, but having, you know everyone's different yeah or having that opportunity to have that discussion yeah. and yeah. find out his perspective mm. and the you know because th- yeah. the intention behind yeah. uh you know, the video, the yeah. act, yeah. wasn't for the purpose of the way it was taken no. later down the no, no, track. No. Yeah. But, you know, for him it could have been like that initially or yeah. down the track as well. But yeah. being able to just, you know, explain your intentions, mm. uh, mediate, find that mm. level ground, apologise. Yeah. But for it to be then taken to this sort of level, yeah. I can imagine that there's, you know, there's remorse f- in mm. yourself for what you've done, oh, but then 100%. equal amount of frustration and, yeah. and anger at the same time, which, yeah. you know... No, you're spot on. And like you said, my frustration isn't that, you know, he should have been cool with it. He said he was cool. My frustration yeah. comes from, um, you know, not knowing where he was at at any given point um, over that period to, you know, just come out and be like, hey, you know, that's not sweet. Uh, I'm not cool with that. And I could have been like, fuck, sorry, mate. I didn't realise you weren't cool with that, you know, like if, genuinely if that was me, I, I wouldn't have cared and, yeah. you know, my mates were probably the same and he wasn't and, um, yeah, to have it go through the courts and not ha- be able to have the chance to even sit down in a room and try and mediate is where the frustration comes from because it was just a flat no to any sort of mediation or... Communication. Um, yeah, a written apology or we sit down and say sorry. There was just... There was never a chance of it at any stage and so that's why the process dragged out a little bit longer because every time we turned up to court... Uh, we wanted to, uh, you know, mediate it out and we were trying to do that and they were sort of like, no, nah, we're going to go forward with 
the process and it got to a point where um, they said, look, there's no mediation. You're either going to plead guilty or not guilty. Yeah. Uh, and we were always pleading not guilty. Uh, like I was never going to plead guilty to that charge yeah. at any stage and that was the advice that we had uh, and we were confident that um, – we could, we could beat that charge based on what they had in terms of evidence and how it went down. Uh, and the role that I played was very – they alleged that I videoed it. Yeah. Uh, and from my point of view, uh, you know, I, I wasn't the one that participated. You know, I didn't actually know it. that was definitely going to happen yeah. uh, and it didn't end up going down that way either. We, yeah, we won't get to the court part. It's up to you. We, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a really important part that needs to be told in there as well. During uh, – during that sort of 18 months, two years yep. from, yep. you know, being processed to then in between that court date. Mm. Uh, from what I've heard with you explaining your stories, yeah. it did feel like this thing hanging over your shoulder. Oh, yeah. And it played out in a lot of different parts of your life that were happening then. Yeah. It explains sort of those things that happened in those those feelings. Yeah, yeah. That was a tricky period because, like I said, I lost my best mate. That was the first thing that I lost at the time. Um, and then the next thing was uh, uni. So at that point, uh, it went through. You know that I couldn't hold a blue card, or it had been my blue card had been put on hold due to these charges. Yeah. And uh, you know, um, I was like, okay, well, said to uni, hey. Um, I'm not going to be able to finish my prac. I was one day away from finishing my first prac. I'm not going to be able to finish this. So they essentially failed that subject. And they said, look, you're better off just not coming back until you sort out your blue card issues. I said, okay, no dramas. Uh, and that was pretty much the end of that because there was no chance that uh, of getting that back. So um, two and a bit years into a degree of a four-year degree, and that's taken away instantly. Um, and uh, I was playing with my best mate, at, in that senior comp of footy uh, and we were on bail for 18 months so we technically shouldn't have been playing together so I decided he, he was he was better at footy than me and he was still a chance if he took it seriously to get picked up he, he was a good footy player um, and I just said look mate I'm going to go play for a different club uh, and you know you stay here. So he stayed at Aspley and played senior footy and I went and played for my junior club, Pine Rivers, in a lower competition, um, which, uh, yeah, was a good decision because it got me away from, you know, blokes that I knew. I met a whole range of new blokes and yeah. linked up with one of my good mates who I, who I grew up with and we are now very, very close even to this day and linked back up with him uh, and played a year of footy there. And I just played footy at that level to enjoy it, meet new people. It was a lower comp, so I got a fair bit of it as well. <laughs> as well. Yeah. Would you say that's a... Was you one of your outlets at the time? Because footy's always been yeah. you know, one of the major things yep. in your life. And you're explaining before we jumped on that, you know, when you're playing footy, mm. you're just in this flow state. Yeah, your passion's coming yep. out. Yeah, you can reach these new levels of fitness yep. you never knew you had. Yeah, you, you know, you could be playing for three hours. Yeah, and you wouldn't even know. Yeah, yeah, it was it was great, and we we created a nice little culture down there because you know I got a couple of other mates who didn't normally play footy to come play, and uh, even training and just mucking around with them and before trainings and then training was was just that couple of hours where you didn't really have to think about it, uh, and it came with its challenges as well. I mean, even to this, this still happens this year. I'll be out in the field and a bloke I don't know is you fucking rapist, and I'll yeah. still get that sort of shit on the field. But that that oh, that doesn't bother me at all. Like I just laugh that off. Even now I got it I got it only a few weeks ago in a yeah, final wow. uh, from a, from a bloke uh, who I like half know and he just throws it and you it's 
it is what it is. That year was a little bit different. It wasn't like super common knowledge, so I didn't cop it as much. It was more after that it all went down that, um, you know, I copped a little bit more on the footy field. But, yeah, I don't really bite back to that sort of stuff. didn't bother me. I was getting a, fa- I was getting a fair bit of the footy anyway, so yeah. didn't mind. But, um, yeah, like you said, that, that couple of hours of just playing footy with your mates was just awesome. And uh, we started – you can see this as a positive or a negative. I did for the 80 months. I hit the piss quite hard. Yep. I, I got stuck in and going out and, uh, you know, getting and partying with my mates um, a fair bit. And it was an outlet, cause, um, but I didn't abuse it either. You know, it was a Saturday night after we played footy, we'd go out uh, and enjoy ourselves because through that whole period as well, I didn't want to, you know, be a hermit per crowd that stayed inside and just overthink the whole yeah. situation. So I'm um, a social person. I'm a people person. I always have been. So I made a whole range of new friends down at that footy club and we created a really nice little culture and I went out and I met my partner, who's still my partner today, Chelsea, uh, through that whole process as well from going out and, and meeting people. So yeah. uh, it wasn't like I abused the piss and the drugs. Yeah. I'd go out and have a good night. Um, and, yeah, I, I really... I enjoyed that period, and it was an outlet, but it wasn't abuse, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, it, was, you know, it wasn't like I was smacking in to escape my problems. It was it was a few hours that you know I could have a good good time with my mates, and I knew my boundaries, I guess, as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like when you do look at those time periods, like mm. you know, you can see it in people when they are out there just to um, for the negative reasons yeah. within themselves. Yeah, but, you know. I still love to go out and have fun with my mates yep. and get pretty rowdy yeah, and sort of yeah. not remember half the night. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, so know, do I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that's part of being young. It is, mate, it And is. there's, you know, there's a balance with those things. Yeah. Like, you know, as as well as you want to do, you know, outside with mm. career and stuff like that, you're going to have equal amount of time. Yeah, to I would, it off. 100%. And it was a little bit different then. Like, now I, you know, I've got a business and, you know, different stresses. At the time, it was... No uni, so I was kind of doing nothing during the week. Like, yeah. I, I was working a little bit. I lost my job through this process as well. We didn't touch on that earlier because um, I worked at a pool. Yep. I taught kids to swim. No blue card. Yeah. Couldn't work, right? So I lost my job. So I lost job uni uh, on that same day that I walked out of the watch house pretty much. Like, yep. that was gone. And that was what I. That was all I knew. So that Friday I woke up. My teacher, teach kids to swim. I'm going to be, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And then um, you, you just, it literally flipped on its head, like, and it was just being able to adapt to that new lifestyle. And um, I was just trying to get through the court thing because I was thinking the whole time, I'm going to beat this and get my blue card back. Like, that's literally what I was thinking. Like, yeah. it wasn't like I was going to go start a new career over this because the whole time I was like, we're going to beat this. Like at no stage did we ever think that we were going to be found guilty. Like I was certain of it and uh, all our advice and our family and the reassurance they gave me, whether, you know, they thought different or not, they're always going to tell you, Hey, you're going to be sweet. You're not going to, you know, 100% I mean? every so, time. and I'm, I'm glad it went that way. And I'm glad I was reassured like that. Cause you know, if someone had a said, um, Hey mate, there's a fair chance you're going to, you know, you get done for this. I would have been like, fuck really? And then I would have overthought that for 18 months. Go into the home yeah rather so than go out and sort of live your life in that time 100%, period because i was thinking just the whole time i was like we're gonna beat this we're gonna beat this um at some point this is gonna this doesn't i remember having the conversation when i was like this just does this just doesn't happen to you know this isn't happening right now it didn't feel real in a lot of points um when we sat down and chatted about it and mum would always be trying to sit me down and have a yarn about you know how i'm feeling and you know and, and i was always like to her look it's all good it's all good i'm doing okay um, and it was actually probably me making sure she was okay. Yep. Um, then her making sure I was okay. And yeah. she'll tell you, you know, how, 
how that period, how proud she is of me and how I went about it in terms of um, how I handled it. And uh, it could have been, could have easily got to me. Uh, and it did to a couple of my mates a, a fair bit more than it did yeah. to me. Uh, and that's just, you know, different people dealing with things differently. But I, I felt, yeah, content with where I was at and, and strong enough in my own self that, you know, no matter what the outcome was, I was going to be okay. And that was evident as it went on as well. Yeah, so, like, through that time period, like, you did have this thing hanging over your shoulder that kind of affected your life in a negative way. Yeah. But the mindset through that was, you know what, I'm just going to kick this yeah. as soon as the, the time comes. 100%. Uh, it's not going to affect me in the way of I'm not going to uh, curl up in a ball and yep. be upset or yep. it's not going to stress me out in yep. these certain areas. It was just, right, this is this thing I've got to get past. Yeah, I'm going to get past it. Just a challenge and I was going to get through it. And, and you're, you're right, that's exactly the mindset I had. And, um, yeah, it was, it was constantly – I mean, I'd turn up to court and we'd just have dates and I'm thinking it's going to be over today. It's yep. going to be over today. And then we come out and we didn't get the result and it's going to go to another date. And the court system takes so long. Yep. Like – we were getting adjourned and it'd be like, all right, two months later we'll have another um, showing. And I was like... Just <laughs> add it at the bottom yeah, of the list, just, wait till you come back to the top. Yeah, so like two more months of thinking, okay, it's going to be over in two months, going to be over in two months, bang. And this went on for 18 months. Like we would have turned up to court four or five times yeah. and walked away. We would have walked in that day thinking we were going to meet a mediation and we walked out not meeting a mediation and it was just extended and it just yeah. kept going and going. And so the wait got more and more uh, until we got to a point where... Uh, so there was four of us charged... Uh, and three of us, me and my best mate, we actually had the same lawyer. Yep. So we did that straight away. Uh, the third one, he had a different lawyer, but uh, legal aid. So it was kind of tied in with us a little bit. Yep. Uh, and then the fourth one was uh, probably the bloke I know the least out of the four. Um, and he had a different lawyer completely and we were on bail. So we can't talk to him. The lawyers don't talk too much. So we don't really know where he's at with the whole thing either. Um, we, you know, our mates were talking to him and, you know, saying bits and pieces, but he can't really be like, hey, go and tell them this. Like, we're technically on bail. Hey, guys, a brief interruption to the podcast. I know you guys are loving this one, but just wanted to let you know about our incredible sponsor, Jason Stevenson. The YouTube channel, Jason Stevenson Meditation. Uh, sleep meditation music and uh, other tracks to uh, listen to and try out meditation. Meditation's obviously been something that's been very profound in my mental health journey and Austin's too. And we love to share the uh, experiences that meditation can give. So make sure you jump on the YouTube channel and check it out and let you guys get back to the podcast. Cheers. So we just had a little quick interruption there. <laughs> Young fella looking for a first aid course. Yeah. I hope he finds his way. But as we were saying, so, mate, at that time in the court, yeah. um, you're going through these processes. Yeah. Your mates and yourself are kind of sectioned off in different corners. Mm. And sort of was that sort of confusing to know yeah, what, sort of it what was, was going on? Yeah, it was. And, we, yeah, technically we weren't allowed to talk. I mean, we had mates saying, you know, he's doing this and he's doing all right and sort of found out that way and our parents were sort of talking a little bit as well um and as i said we had the fourth one who wasn't really part of um our circle as such in terms of information and where we were at because two of us had the same lawyer the third one the third one was the one whose mate it was really well and sent the video so he was with us and the fourth one was a bit of an outlier we didn't really know where he was at and how he was going so uh, i remember being i had a part-time job at the uh airport casual and it was shit work mate but uh, yeah. i had to get through at that point um and yeah it was depressing work it really was what i was doing and um you know i wasn't doing anything that i loved at that time it was just trying to get a bit of cash so i could <laughs> go out and on the piss that week and yeah. just get through this period keep moving um, forward so it came 
news that uh, the fourth one was pleading uh, guilty, uh, which took us all by surprise because we were always pleading not guilty. Uh, and he decided that he was going to plead guilty. And I was like, is he insane? Like, he's going to go and plead guilty. And that was must have been the legal advice he got. So he got a date and showed up in court. Uh, and I don't want to... Yeah. So he essentially pleaded guilty and became the Crown's key witness. Yeah. Which means he basically uh, sat down with the police, gave them a statement about everything that happened that day from his perspective, and in return he would get no jail time. Okay. And that completely blindsided us. We did not know that was going on and that that would happen, right? Because if all four of us stayed quiet and said nothing, the Crown actually only has a 10-second video and some Facebook messages okay, so at that point. Sort of like a plea deal. Sort basically of took a plea deal yeah. to get no jail time. Uh, so he did what he was... T- Advised by his lawyer and um, tricky period. You know, he probably still thought that maybe we'd all get off, but he got himself off, right, and looked after himself. The rest of us three uh, pleaded not guilty uh, and went to trial. So we went to uh, the district court five days. I remember uh, all my mates were at Splendor the week before, and I was like, I'm not going to Splendor the week before this trial. Like, it's just not happening. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to stay home. So I missed the Splendor that year with everyone and stayed home and um, rolled in on the Monday for that for that court date. And at that time, the, the reassurance and the advice was, you're going to beat this. Like, you're not going to have this on your name forever. And it became a thing of principle. We were never taking any sort of deal. Um, you know, they wanted us to plead guilty, um, and we were, were just never going to do that. We just weren't because um, we didn't think we were. And to this day, I still don't believe that I'm guilty of that charge. The letter of the law in black and white, it can be seen as that way, but I, at no stage did I ever, you know, try and rape someone. I really didn't. Yeah. Uh, that was never my intention, right? And that's, you know, really tough mm. with – think about how long ago that book was written. Yeah, crazy. Hey? Those things were written in yeah. form. Yeah. And, you know – little bit off sort of topic mm. but i think there's a lot of things like that in the world right now where there's a lot of things in black and white yeah but circumstances don't apply to that yep. and so like maybe in, in the u.s where there are people sitting in jail for crimes of possession of mm. marijuana mm. small amounts yeah now it's legal yeah and they're still in there yeah crazy yeah and it's not been put out and this there's and once we haven't got to it yet, but, you know, I just heard of so many injustices once I was in as well. And um, this one in particular, ours, I think, hits home a fair bit different because of how relatable uh, we are to um, the everyday person, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, that wasn't our lifestyle where, you know, you get a few people who are brought up in that lifestyle and, you know, they'll plead, you know, I didn't do this, blah, blah, but they were probably going to go in for something later anyway. Like, yeah. they were just always around that thing. There was a chance. We were just blindsided. Like, we – and the charge, like, we were never around crime. We've never done anything wrong. Yeah. And then to have that accusation and roll through and have that on your name is just a spin-out when you think about it um, to get thrown into that. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the court date, I guess, was uh, – and this will bring back some stuff for me and – uh, like you said, those triggers of being in that courtroom, I'll never, ever forget. And uh, Chelsea taps me on the shoulder sometimes well. And, like, we can't even watch, a, like, a, a jail show on Netflix or anything yeah. without bringing stuff back for her as well because her more so. Like, I, I'm i actually somewhat interested in that stuff yeah. and uh, it still brings back stuff for me, but I'm interested in it. Whereas she's, you know, she'll see that and be like, oh, you know, you can see it affecting her as well yeah. with, the, with the triggers and, and that'll live on with us forever, which is, um, you know, it was scarring. It really was that, that five days because um, we sat there and 
uh, in a box, the three of us next to each other, and it was just five eight-hour days of um, them giving. Uh, it was four eight-hour days and half a day on the Friday, and uh, of them just giving evidence. And I remember that week, I hardly ate anything. I didn't want to like at lunch. I would just drink water, have dinner that night. That fear, sleep in your like shit. Oh, I would have hardly slept. I was waking up, and considering how certain I was through the whole 18 months that we were going to be okay, as soon as we hit that courtroom, I just had this feeling of this is not going to go well. I really I really started to realise that the approach that we had, although we were firm on it, was going to be very hard to take a, put across to a jury in this setting like it really was. Um, and we, didn't, we knew bits and pieces of the evidence, um, but the Crown Witness was our fourth alleged... Uh, offender so he he had to sit in front of us while the three of us sat there and give his retake of what happened on a day 18 months beforehand that we were on the piss and he's given this nice little statement earlier and they're using that and you know they were never going to let him off if he didn't give them a nice statement that sort of said he did this he did this he did this at this time and you know to me a lot of what he said didn't match up with my recollection, although it was vague. It sounded, you know, that it was just what they needed to hear to get him off and get him fabricated. Off. Fabricated, way. yeah, because how that's just how it works. And you know, the injustices that we're talking about—that's a perfect example where someone can go and tell a story about, um, you know, what they think happened and get a reward for it. Yeah, and then the rest of them, you know, have to fall on that sword, sort of thing. And we don't get to, we don't get cross-examined. Uh, well, we chose not to. We, we don't go up there and, and get asked questions. We sit there and our lawyer defends the evidence, essentially. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the victim was there. He was up there briefly. And, you know, having to sort of look at him was, was tough as well. And because uh, not that I was angry, I was just sort of thinking, why the whole time? Like, why, 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 why? I would love to just tap him on the shoulder and say, mate, why? Like, <laughs> it's gotten this far and I really don't think it should have. And whether, you know, it was a thing of stubbornness, like should we have pleaded? Like I was never pleading guilty to that charge, yeah. never. And I'm proud that I didn't because um, it just seemed insane at the time to – uh, to do it. it, it really did, and there was still always a chance that if you pleaded guilty, we're going to get time based on the severity of the charge. It's yeah. one of the worst charges you can get, so yeah. it wasn't like uh, you know you could just go all right, plead guilty, and you know you'll get a slap on the wrist. It yeah. was like you might plead guilty here and <laughs> still go to jail. So yeah. there was no chance I was doing. It. I was running that gauntlet always. Yeah, and sitting through that sort of five days and mm. knowing there was going to be a decision mm. at the end of that. Yeah, and comprehending. Were you thinking sort of like, shit, jail, like yeah. I, I could be going there, but yeah. I don't know how much time, what's going to happen. Yeah. Like. It was tricky. So th this is probably the Thursday night, so we've done four days of evidence. Uh, this is the first time that I really realised that uh, I had to prepare myself for going to jail. My uncle, um, who's a copper, watched the whole process, was involved, heavily reassuring me the whole time you're gonna be okay you're gonna be okay he sort of called me on the fryer the thursday and just sort of said you know if this doesn't go your way tomorrow then this is what you should prepare for this is what you'll have to deal with you're gonna go to the watch house blah, blah. and i was like okay so this is the first time through this whole process that someone's actually prepared me for what i'm about to go through yeah. and at the time i was like still thinking you know 99 percent of me was thinking it's not going to go this way this is one percent of me thinking whatever he says is about to happen. Yeah. Um, and I remember on the last day or the second last, it might have been the same day, our barrister sort of said, 
okay, if this doesn't go your way, boys, I have to prepare you, you know, take some names and numbers with you and, you know, take some warm clothes. And I was like, fuck, what does he think? We're and he was very reassuring, we're going to win, we're going to win, we're going to win. Um, but I think that everyone at that point maybe realised that there was a chance that it wasn't going to go that way. Yeah. And there was also a very real chance that all three of us were going to get different results. Um, so the one who had allegedly had the bottle was obviously in the worst position there's one uh the boys to the side having a laugh and then there's me who they allege was filming um i wasn't but it, they alleged that i was i was in the room and um there was a very real chance that i was me especially was going to get off just by filming so we, we we ran with that we said yep uh we'll, we'll take the filming role you know you didn't have any hands on him you know just filmed an incident blah blah, blah. uh and uh yeah it so on the Friday morning, the evidence finished and then they said, all right, we're going to go take the jury out and they're going to decide. And I was thinking, um, okay, all right, this might take a while. And I, th I was 90 minutes to two hours, I reckon, max. And they said, jury has a decision. And I knew. I was like, there's no way in hell that they've come to a conclusion that quickly that we're not guilty. Yeah. Like there was always going to be a couple of people um, speak up. So I was thinking it was going to be a long duration of back and forth in there um, without knowing too much what people were thinking. The way jury duty works as well is people roll in for jury duty and the Crown and the defence, we can have a certain amount of people that you can say yes or no to during the jury. So yeah. people will walk out, they'll walk to the jury. If you don't like the look of them, then you can say no and you get a certain amount. Yeah. Both I remember there was a couple of blokes that looked like tradies, prosecution straight away, no, no. And then we had a couple of you know younger female school teachers looking people that walked in and we said no to them. Uh, and then it just ended up the way that it ended up that uh, the jury was female heavy um, and uh, you know quite a few older men um, and there wasn't really anyone on there that was going to look at us and relate straight away. You know what I mean? Yeah. We were going to have to try and win the jury over, uh, I guess, as well. So, um, yeah, that comes into play as well in terms of how I was feeling that week, thinking, okay, that's not looking as ideal as I would like it over there. And, um, yeah, so it took 90 minutes to two hours. They came out and uh, this this is what brings on the triggers right now. I remember just going down the line. I was last, so they did one of the boys first. And they said guilty. I remember the courtroom just exploding. Like we had packed out. So his family just went nuts. Like nuts. Like no way. Like people crying, screaming. Yeah. It was like no way. And I remember the judge just being knocking the hammer. Like quiet, quiet, quiet. And there's people behind me just in hysterics. I'm wearing a glass box. And they go to my mate and uh, he stands up and they go guilty. Bang. Same thing. Yeah. Just like shock. Utter shock through the entire room. And I stood up and I just remember thinking there's still a chance I'm not going to get what they got because yeah. I was filming. I'm like, there's a small chance here. And they said, bang, guilty. And it was just like something out of a movie going on behind us that you could sense, but it was like turning around and my mum and Chelsea were maybe two metres away. Um, and I remember they were just in hysterics and I was looking at them just in shock and tears in my eyes and the boys are like, what the fuck? And uh, I remember at that point our lawyer turns around and he's, He's a, he's a, he was a big dog lawyer at the time. Uh, he knew his stuff and he had tears in his eyes. Our barrister had tears in his eyes. And um, it was it was honestly like something out of a movie. It was crazy. And there was too many people for the chairs. So there's people standing and it, it honestly erupted. It, it was like, it was crazy. And, um, you know, it sort of settled down from there. And uh, we were stood up and uh, you get sentenced a few hours later. So they released the jury and, and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I, I can't, 
even I remember not wanting to look back and thinking, you know, just went with the flow, security sort of take you. And, um, yeah, we sat in a holding cell downstairs by ourselves for maybe two or three hours and uh, that was probably the the hardest point of the entire process was probably that situation there because, once again, it was thinking we were going to beat it and then, uh, we, you know, we sat there for three hours by ourselves, not being able to talk to anyone. And from the moment we stepped through that door to go down to the holding cells, I remember just the guards just showed no sympathy whatsoever. Like I'm looking at them, they're looking at me, and they're just treating you like anyone else that's gonna, you know, you're a criminal. And we sat down there, they gave us a, uh, a sandwich, didn't eat it, uh, and then you come back up for sentencing a few hours later. And I don't know how, but at this point, when we walked back in. The courtroom is more packed with people. So I've got mates, Chelsea's mum's come, her family's come. This place is more packed than when we walked out before and it was already packed. Uh, And I remember thinking, uh, the conversation I had with our barrister when he said, you know, take the warm clothes, blah, blah, blah. His advice at that time was, if it goes your way, you'll probably get 12 months, 12 to two years, uh, 12 months to, to 24 months. Um, and so that's what I had in my mind. I was thinking, best case scenario here, I'm, I'm going to be gone for a year. Yep. Um, and they uh, sort of do a character thing on you. So uh, the prosecution tries to relate your case to one of similar uh, history. Like a precedent. Yeah, like yeah. a precedent. I remember she pulled one out and it was just not even close to anything like our situation and that was what she picked. So this, again, just told me that the situation we are in was just so left field. Like it wasn't your typical rape case because she brought something out. I think the bloke got eight years. So she was asking for eight years. And I just remember being like, is she off her tits? Like, is she actually going to – like she wanted to see us go down. Like she really wanted our head. So she asked for something related to a case that was eight years and I remember the judge just being like, this is just not even remotely close. Yeah. Uh, And we sort of asked for no jail time. Like we were like, hey, look, this is what – and they went through. This is what, uh, you know, Jacob's lost. He's lost his blue card. He's lost his footy. He's lost his job. He's lost blah, blah, blah. And – from that point, the judge sort of decides and uh, the absolute bare minimum you can get for the charge we got is six months, yep. uh, wholly suspended, which means when you come out, you're not on parole uh, at all. So we got that exact sentence. We got the absolute bare minimum you can get. So he basically had to put us in jail. Yep. I think if there was any other, if there was something written in there where you didn't have to go to jail for rape but for being guilty after pleading guilty, yeah. uh, essentially, then he would have done it. Yeah. But he, he really did have to give us the absolute bare minimum. So it was a two-year sentence, served six months, wholly suspended. Uh, we weren't put on any programs. We weren't, you know, needed to be rehabilitated or anything like that. Normally, yeah. if someone goes in for a charge like that, you would need to sit through, um, you know, this is, we only found this out later, you would normally sit through some, you know, sexual harassment programs and be rehabilitated before you're allowed to go back out and yeah. sit th- before the parole board. From the moment we did this, none of that was ever discussed. It was like, you boys are idiots. You're going to serve this sentence. And th- there was no other way that it could have gone down, really, once it went guilty, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it was crazy. That whole day really was uh, – it was the worst day of my life. It really was. It was um, – yeah, it w- and from that point it got better. I remember, yeah, we went to the watch house from there over the weekend and then, um, yeah, the watch house was pretty rough as well. That was where I sort of had my first experience uh, and um, we were sort of with each other in the back of the uh, paddy wagon to the 
watch house. Yeah. So we were ta- able to talk to each other. I remember the boys were sitting in the back and we were just like, um, you know, <laughs> what the fuck just happened? Like yeah. crying in each other's arms. We really were. Uh, and then we got there, got processed. And I remember they said, they said, you know, are you having any uh, suicidal or self-harm thoughts? And in the process of this, I've said yes. Uh, and I wasn't, I didn't want to kill myself, but in the process of, all this happening, I said yes. I can't tell you why. Yeah. Um, I was thinking maybe, you know, they'll put me somewhere different to where the actual criminals are. That yeah. was probably where I was thinking. Uh, and <laughs> it turns out that's not what they do. They put you in the psych ward uh, and they put a dress on you and it's like this so you can't sort of hang yourself or anything yeah, like there's that. there's nothing to, like, there's no sharp edges. Or yeah, so... I ended up not going in with the crims. I ended up going to the psych ward with a couple of blokes. And they were obviously crims. Um, and it's just a different section. You can still see the other guys in the watch house, but you're wearing a dress. And I remember my mates obviously didn't give the same answer because they went to the normal spot. I went to there. And this is honestly adrenaline rushing. Like at that time, um, I wasn't, you know, suicidal as such. Yeah. But in that process of being put in an uncomfortable situation, um, that's just how I reacted. I wasn't really thinking and I was thinking, you know, how can I not go where the criminals are? Because I didn't want to go in there. I didn't. I was like, how can I, you know, try and find a way out of this? And um, All those overwhelming feelings yeah. have just been ex- to the max. Oh, big time. Yeah. yeah, they really did. They really, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I can't tell you why I did it, but I said yes and went down there and they don't let you out of there. Well, they... When I got to event, so that was on the Friday. I think it was a long weekend, maybe. We did four days or three nights yeah. in the watch house. house. Yeah, and it still haunts me. It is a shocking place. For four days it is anyway because yeah. they don't let you, you – you, we didn't see sun for four days. We just yeah. sat in a watch – and TV's off at 8 o'clock and they'll bring drunks in at 2 a.m. and throw them in. And There's always noises, people walking past. You basically don't sleep. Uh, you got one phone call for 10 or 15 minutes while you were there. So I took that on the Saturday and spoke to mum and Chelsea and, um, yeah, they were just sort of saying, we're going to fight this, we're going to beat it, we're going to overturn it. And I was just thinking, we've only got six months and I'm out of here, you know. But that was their mindset was, you know, we're going to get this, we'll challenge it. And I was like, we're not going to challenge this. I'm just going to do this six months and I'm going to be out, you know. I can can get this done. Um, And, uh, yeah, I did. And, uh, yeah, that that watch house period was was crazy. And my uncle at the time, my mum was like, It'll be better once you get to jail. And I was thinking, <laughs> I've never had that sort of advice. Like, yeah. well, jail will be good. Like, yeah. I was like, okay, I'll, I want to go to jail. Yeah. And that was what I was thinking like, when I was in this watch house. Yeah, like people say school's jail. Yeah. But like this is... Yeah, this is jail. This like, is And jail. Uh, the jail system I knew nothing about, but you basically go to... Uh, oh, shit, I forgot the name. Um, Waco, yeah. yeah. You go to Waco, it's where you're processed. And uh, so we went there on the Monday... Uh, or the Tuesday, whenever it was, and got processed and thrown in first time as yard. And it's basically a transfer centre at Waco. Yeah. Uh, and you get sent out to jails from Waco. You can serve your sentence there, but um, I didn't in the end. So I remember when I got there, um, I got thrown in the first timers, and there would have been 70 people in this unit. Like, yeah. it was crammed in. Um, and first timers was okay because you are in a lot of – with a lot of other people that were younger. Um, so I was able to start chatting to people. There's some older blokes as well, but just completely different world for me. Like, yeah. I don't know any of these people. My haircut, I stood out like a dog's <laughs> breakfast because yeah. they've all got the, the rat tails and whatnot. And I've got this long puffy hair, like borderline a, a man bun going. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would have looked so out of place. And I was too out with a bloke and I was on the floor. He had the bed because there was 70 in a 50-man cell, wow. a, in unit. So... 
the jails are just swarming with people. Everyone's too out on the floor in each other's... There's not enough room for the amount of prisoners, and that's across Queensland. So there's just too many people in each other's space. And, um, yeah, I remember putting some numbers on the phone from that point and trying to just call people that I knew as much as I could um, and just chat to them and try and get some reassurance. And, you know, but at the same time, you're having a phone call and there's 10 blokes around you. You can't, you know, be like, these blokes are fuckheads. It was like, you know... Hey, yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing good. Try, trying to give some reassurance as well. Yeah. But uh, I, I did 11 or 12 days in Waco first time as by myself. Yeah. So the boys didn't come with me. They went elsewhere, um, which just happened by chance. They went to a different unit and they were together and I found that out through my mum. So I'm by myself and I'm, I'm at this point thinking I'm about to do six months by myself. Yeah. Like I'm thinking I'm never going to see the boys till we get out because how am I going to arrange that in this how can i get this situation to be working my way i just yeah. can't so that was going through your head while you're there mm. what are some of the feelings that were there obviously you're coming to terms with mm. what what's happened yeah is from you know a lot of the people listening mm. and myself will have no context mm. to what it's like to be in an environment like yeah. that. and from what i understand there's a culture that happens within those places well, yeah like there's there's do's and do nots yeah there's different things with language and mm. stuff like that is yeah. was that sort of like a learning period yeah. too yeah and i like to think i'm hugely adaptable based on this situation like yeah. in terms of getting thrown out of your comfort zone that's as hardcore as it gets in my opinion like people go uh skydiving and whatever to get out of the comfort zone how about you just get thrown in jail when you don't think you're going to go there and yeah. just swim you know what i mean like that really was for me and it was just one that wasn't going to end it wasn't like a little thrill of adrenaline it was like, like waking what? up every day fuck, am I really here? Like, yeah. <laughs> like crazy. And not being able to contact people and whatnot. So I quickly sort of just tried to – I'm a people person. So, I, you know, I started talking to a few people, just small talk and, uh, you know, trying to make some mates. And for the most part, everyone's sweet. And like you said, there's do's and, do don't, uh, and, and don'ts, but that's why they create the first-timers. So you can sort of be stepped through that. They don't yeah. just throw you in the dog pen, um, you know, straight up into some hectic um, – unit you know you get you go through that process but i was only there for 11 days remember as well so i tried to learn as much as i could there on how things worked different languages what they were calling things um and you know stories like even just took people trying to big note oh they do it all the time they do this the whole six months so just there's lots of like big noters you know what i mean like yeah. oh, i did this i did this well, i did this there was so much of that from first timers and i remember just thinking i'm keeping my head down saying as little as possible um to anyone here about myself yeah. and people love talking about themselves especially those blokes so if you ask them questions about them they'll tell you all day listen to stories they don't often ask about you because that's that ego as well yeah 100 that's part of the reason why you know for those who've committed some pretty serious stuff have got themselves there yeah 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 yeah, yeah big time and they'll try and not outdo each other but there's a sense of like the more serious of a crime you've committed the higher you are up in there it's like as a well. masculine yeah thing. it's yeah. like an, an ego men masculine thing 100 percent. and there's a certain level of respect for some people based on a whole range of things and um yeah there was hierarchy of course as well and yeah. i knew my place and that was just out of everyone's way it wasn't yeah. even you know being anyone's bitch or anything like that like i was always going to stand my own ground not that i had any issues like literally went through issue free yeah. um with, with at the entire time right like never had an issue with anyone and and and, and, and um yeah because i knew my place i guess well, i wasn't trying to build my grind my way up the, the chain or anything like that yeah sort of just following your own path yeah. keeping yourself yeah down this is the the other pretty crazy part about the whole thing was when i was talking to our lawyer and that 
the advice that we got given was do not tell anyone what you're in there for, right? And this was a huge eye-opener for me within the first uh, little part of being there was don't tell anyone what you're in there for because uh, when they ask you, they ask you when you're processed, do you want to go to mainstream or protection? And uh, I was like, what the fuck is mainstream and protection? And yeah. they said, go to mainstream and you can always go to protective. I later learned that protective custody is where they send, um, you know, people of very serious crimes or people who, are, who you know, want to get bashed by people in mainstream and killed and, you know, uh, yeah. you know, have committed crimes against children. They're all in protective custody, right? Yeah. So that's where you see um, a lot of bad people go and twisted people as well, right? And that and would no- be a bit of a tell, like a sign for those people in mainstream if they see someone come through and go yeah. to that protected space yeah. they might even not know why but they're yeah. just like that person they're in protection yeah bashed. the other reason people go to protection is they've done wrong by someone in mainstream so they flee to protection yeah. and once you go to protection you can never ever in your life come back to mainstream yeah right but you can go to mainstream and go to protection so i went to mainstream and i was thinking the whole time like if someone finds out i'm here for rape i'm probably gonna get my head kicked in like that was genuinely what i was thinking um so i didn't tell anyone at first what i was in for especially not in first timers um i kept that quiet i I started saying i was in for assault or something like just sort of blew by uh even though i've never they i'm obviously not in for assault either like anyone who could pick up on anyone who's been around the jails for a while or a long term i would have picked up on me quite quickly that i was bullshitting yeah because they're sort of yeah you see it in they know movies even stuff like you know that show where they have ordinary people going to jail yeah i don't know how fabricated that is but they're so institutionalized that they can just they even know the law. Yeah, very inside well. out. They're actually some of the most intelligent people I've ever come across. They yeah. really are. Um, they're just in a repetitive lifestyle of crime. It's yeah. just how it is. Um, but some of them are just very, yeah, intelligent in their own ways. And they can manipulate situations, but they're institutionalised, like you said. So, um, met some absolute characters, of course. But, yeah, uh, yeah so was, the advice was don't say what you're in for, right? And uh, about ele- when that 11 days went past, I got sent to Gatton Prison, which was the – from talking to people in first-timers, Gatton was um, the place to be. They okay. called it tough. Anything that's tough is good. Yeah. Oh, Gatton's tough, Gatton's tough. You want to go to Gatton. That's anyway. like – I use that word if I see like – because I like my cars. Yeah. And I'll see like... Tough? Something I'll be like, that's tough. Tough, yeah. And my partner's picked up on that too. She'd be like, look at it. She'd be like, oh, is that tough? Yeah. And I'm like, you're taking a kiss. <laughs> when I first came out, I remember I was calling things tough and I was calling everyone I knew brother. Hey, brother. Hey, brothers. Brothers, yeah. brother. Because that was just... You just got, became adapted to the, the, the change and um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I got to Gatton and uh, when I got to Gatton, the guard... Uh, it was a bit different in Gatton. It was, it was, it was, it was a good place to be. They left the, so I got went, put in the little watch thing at the front with one other bloke. We were the only two to go out there that day from the whole jail, and they yeah. used to take bucket loads of people out every day. Like ten people would get called, off you go. They took two of us out there, um, and they left the the, the uh, cell door unlocked and brought in coffee and sandwiches, and then walked out and left it unlocked. Just me and him, and then like office was just there. It was yeah. like. Just treated differently straight away. A bit more of like a waiting room. Yeah, it literally was. I was thinking, what the hell? And uh, anyway, the, the guard that was walking me down to my unit uh, said, look, hey, mate, we know what you're here. You've got a bit of a profile. Uh, we want to look after you as much as we can. We know, you know, you boys are idiots. Uh, we're actually going to put you in with your mates. And I was like, okay, sweet. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm going to see them. I couldn't believe it. And uh, they said, but don't tell anyone what you're in for. Um, just, you know, Lay low for six months, pretty yeah. much. So he was giving me advice, and I'm thinking. I later learned that 
you do not talk to guards. Like, you don't buddy up with them at all. Like, yeah. they are the enemy, right? But at that time, looking at him, I related to him so much more than I related to these prisoners because yeah. I'm like, this bloke's an everyday probably watches footy on the weekend, probably plays footy and yeah. you know what I mean? He's not doing a life of crime. So was I took that, his advice on. Was that probably the one of the first times through that process that you'd felt that relatability? Yeah. Maybe like sitting through that 100%. process. By the sounds of it, you've thought the entire time, I don't belong here, mm. these people aren't like me. Mm. So there's that natural sort of yeah. resentment. Yeah. But then you get that sort of like. That second that I was, like that two minute walk was like a breath of fresh air. It really yeah. was. It was like, oh, this guy understands. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and then, uh, yeah, he sort of, Popped me in a cell and my mates were next door. They were in a little lockdown at the time. And I remember looking through this little window and I seen them and they were looking out at me and I was like, it was like Christmas. I was like, oh my God, I'm yeah. next door to these blokes. And uh, they were sort of selled out together. I had my own cell. Um, but at the same time, it was so tricky because it, we're still in a unit of 20 other prisoners trying to not say what we're in for. And they're looking at me and I'm looking at them and we're getting this treatment of all three of us put together and we're co-offenders. Yeah. Like, it was sus straight away. It was like, how come you three are sold up right next to each other? And how come you know each other? And what are you here for? And, you know, like that wouldn't normally happen. You wouldn't normally get put next to your co-offenders in yeah. one unit. And um, so it didn't take long for them to sort of catch on. And I think a couple of the words spread through the whole jail that we were there. So this is, this is how switched on they are. So we went to uh, out to the Oval one time. Yeah. And someone from Reds, which is a completely different unit up somewhere, saw the three of us walking together, recognised us from the news, and word spread through the whole jail. That's them, that's them, that's them. And they knew from the news that that was us three that did that crime because they saw it on the news. And um, we came back from a visit, and I remember there's a couple of boys that had been there for a while, sort of just circling our table. And I remember being like, we're just playing cards, and I remember being like, or I just had that feeling of being watched sort Something's of thing. Yeah. Right. And one of the blokes who's doing a, a fairly long, I'll call it a long sentence because it is, and, you know, it was obviously high up in the uh, in the hierarchy of that unit, sort of, you know, come over and said, so, you know, we know you boys have been lying to us, blah, blah, blah. We know what you're in here for. You know, they saw the lighter side of it. That was sweet. Like, this is probably the most confrontation we had was a few of them circling and just being like... They just straight away were pretty much like, you boys don't belong here. Like, they looked at us. We didn't look the part. We had long, fruffy hair. Yeah. They were like, we, they were kind of, like, they'd worked it out in a lot of ways. They were probably yeah. sussing us, uh, thinking, you know, maybe these blokes at Intel give them information back. But they didn't. They worked it out. And they just said, look, we actually think you're funny pricks. Like, they were like, we've done this and this and started sharing stories about stuff they've done on the pierce. And they genuinely could not believe that we'd gone down for what we went down for and that yeah. we were in their environment. So they were fair in that regard, I think, in understanding uh, where we were at and where they were at. And they said, look, you're going to be all right here for the next six months. Like, we can already tell. It's, it would have been a few days in of being there. They're like, you guys are no harm. We know, you know, you don't belong here and you're not going to try and do anything stupid and, you know. Um, Post so, no threat. Yeah we, yeah, we were no threat. Like, we were harmless in that situation. Uh, and this was sort of an introductory unit. And they were like, we're more than happy. They said, we're more than happy for you boys to stay here with us. Because yeah. otherwise you go up to Res and Res is kind of like gazillions of prisoners and you, it's like a hotel room up there. It's like crazy. They yeah, have their own stoves and stuff. Whereas where we were was, uh, you know, one kitchen, 20 blokes sharing, whereas they're like six-man units in Res. And they said, look, just stay here with us. 
Because um, we said to them, like, look, we got told not to tell you guys what we're in it for. And they said, who the fuck told you that? And we said, our lawyers and the guards. And they said, do not ever lie to us again and do not ever listen to a guard again. Yeah. <laughs> like, just straight up, like, you're with us now um, and this is how it works. And sort of, you know, we picked up on things, but we were harmless. And there was three of us, which I think helped as well. Yeah. That, you know, we were together. And um, from that point onwards, we just did our time and kept our head down. And uh, we, we had some fun in there, I'll admit it. Like, we, we did. Like, it was like a... Uh, a boys camp at some stage like a, a holiday camp like with some of the blokes that are in there because they you don't sit in there all depressed like they sit in there and make their own time and try and make it fun and do funny shit and play cards and yeah like um, you, know, you know we'd all sit down and watch the grand final together um watch the racing together yeah. and you know um we did what we could and there was a couple of blokes take us under their wing and sort of look after us as well yeah, so nice. and, um, like it was good i still chat to one of the boys today he calls me probably once a month yeah wow. uh, and has a yarn and just updates me not much happening in his world but i tell him what's happening with me and yeah i think he just likes to hear that and he's doing a long long sentence uh and so for him i think like we're the youth in him like he likes to just hear what we're doing sort of thing uh and he knew he knew we didn't belong in there so yeah. he likes to say hey you know what you've been up to and tell him about what i did that weekend and and whatnot and uh yeah that's been going on for the last couple of years two and a half years he still calls me so yeah and there'd be a sense of pride from him as well mm. because someone he knows like you know sometimes you have those people in your family yeah. that are like family friends that are like mm. you know you call them auntie and uncle yeah. and stuff but they have that same pride yeah in you as like your parents would mm. so like there are people like that that come into your life that yep. you have that sort of connection with yeah and i'll never forget him honestly like yeah. i never will and me and my mate, he always will say you know say hello to the other boys and it was just one of those things that yeah you're right it is some sort of connection there with him and how he sort of looked after us uh through through the whole process and um, you know, never judged us for what we did and we never judged him for what he did either. He was in for, you know, quite a serious crime, but, um, you know, there was never any, yeah, judgment there. It was judgment-free and he sort of understood where, where we were at and, um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it was good to have him there. There was plenty more blokes like him, but not quite as significant as him, I think, yeah. as well. Like you said, he, to, for him to still call now, we obviously had a bit of a rub off on him as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think, and, and that's a testament to... Us three as blokes, uh, it really is, and I strongly believe that. And it's why this story hits home for so many people is we are just genuine blokes that went through something like this that everyone can't believe, if yeah. that makes sense. Like we were, And for prisoners to see it that way even, you know, and the guards to see it that way and your family to see it that way and everyone but this one person who's put you through this whole process um, and, you know, to, I don't know whether they get satisfaction out of it or not. Like, just seems like a, a lose lose for everyone involved. Really, yeah, 100%. Um, I don't can't really see how anyone wins from this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely get that. Mm. And I've, you know, before you come on, I had a lot of reflection and thinking about how I pictured your experience to be mm. throughout that time. Yeah, how I would imagine being in that yeah. place, and I've. The way you sort of described, like, there was a bit of fun element to it. Mm. There's, like, that environment. Yeah. That's a thousand times better than what I've <laughs> or what I've heard. Yeah, for um, sure. And everyone probably has different experiences depending on where they're at uh, and how they went about it. And, um, yeah, I think we were I think we were very lucky whether someone looking after us, we had some luck in the whole process and who we met along the way and uh, how we got to Gatton. I think Gatton played a huge part in... Um, you know, having a, a better experience. Um, but at the same time, uh, we, we were just genuine blokes. We probably would have done that 
any other way anywhere else i would have got through it yeah. the same way you know i would have been able to adapt i'm confident in that but um yeah having us all together obviously helped and the people that we met uh helped in their understanding of us and it was still like there were some days where um you know there'd be some full-on shit go on like it was like i'm steering clear of this and you know you just stay out of people's uh you know angst against each other and there was always some tension and there was constant lockdowns and it's more prisoners versus guards than prisoners against prisoners there was definitely some prisoner on prisoner um you know fights and whatnot that happened there was some you know um serious assaults and whatnot that i witnessed but i was never a part of it um as such and yeah it, it, it was more prisoners against guards and how can we get the upper hand on them you know they want to lock us down for doing this we're not locking down there's always that and we ended up being it's tricky we end up nearly becoming crims in that regard like not criminals but like we started to push back a little bit as well on the guards like they'd want to lock us down i'd be like no get fucked i'm not locking down yet i'm watching this you know what i mean like yeah um i remember the last day the second last day they wanted me to they wanted to drug test me yeah and i remember being like i get out in two days i'm not going down to do a drug test and uh it was a situation where and this is this is testament to how we were how much we adapted with everyone was in uh, lockdown no one was allowed out until um i'd gone and done this pits piss test yeah and i remember being like i'm not going to do it and they were like go and do the piss test and i'm like i'm not doing it and this was just a constant battle right like i could have easily gone and done the piss test and nothing would happen but it was like i'm not doing it i'll get out in two days i don't need to do it and everyone no one was getting out of their cells until i went and did it and everyone was yelling at me don't do it don't do it we'll sit here we'll sit here you know what I mean? Like they were happy to sit yeah. in their cell for however long for me to push back on that guard and not give him what I wanted. And uh, they eventually gave up and let us out. And yeah. the, they were loving it sort of thing. It was just like a constant battle of power in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, because um, I, I was getting out in two days, I was like, I'm, I'm, there's no need, like, what do you want? They wanted a clean test, obviously, just because yeah. it looked good for their unit. They knew I wouldn't have tested to any drugs um but i remember just the, the like some of the old boys being like don't do it we'll sit here we don't care and that was when i really realized that um you know we'd sort of we weren't a part of them but we were at the same time like, like adapting to that environment yeah and, you know you with these people yeah they've taken you in sort of mm. thing so like you almost have like an internal responsibility to like 100 show some like do right by them. By them, yeah. Have their approval. Yeah. So that's yeah. like part of and it. And it wasn't like I wanted, like I easily could have just got up and gone down that piss test and yeah. none of them would have even noticed. Like it was before lockout. I remember just being like, I was so adapted at that stage that I was like, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, don't do it. We'll sit here in lockdown with you for you to not do that. And like for 20 or 30 blokes to all be on the same page is pretty crazy when you yeah. think about it. Like there wasn't even one or two blokes that were like, just nah, do go it, do man. it. We'll get out. Like it was like a communal push back against the guards everyone's in on it like yeah. which is crazy and that's just a constant it was a constant battle like that for six months and um you can see why tempers will flare and crazy shit happens in there and riots and stuff because it's constant battle of um you know we want to do this they let us get away with it for so long and then they put their foot down yeah. and we just keep pushing the boundaries as such and I, you can even hear i'm saying the word we like it, like yeah. i'm saying it as yeah. a part of them which is spin out um because it's always going to be ingrained in me as well that experience yeah. and um yeah but at the same time i remember the last day we left we were saying goodbye to everyone and a couple of the old boys in the unit come up and they'd old boys a bit in and out their whole lives and they just said look we don't really say this often but they said good luck with your life we're never going to see you boys again because they normally would say goodbye to someone knowing that they're going to cross paths with them in the jail see, at see. some point yeah, yeah. Well, they might be out committing a crime together yeah and they used to talk about 
this is crazy. They used to talk about the stuff that they were going to do when they got out, like crimes. Like, I'm going to go and do this crime when I get out. Like, that's just how they are. They were yeah. just institutionalised. They knew they were coming back. There was a bloke that I was in with and he got out and came back in in the time that I was in for six months. Wow. So I watched him get out and I watched him come back to us in that six-month period. Like, just must have got out and just gone straight for a drug fueled rage of stupidity and then boom straight back in and he's in with us again it's like crazy wild. man yeah. crazy and just an untapped world of something that me and you know nothing like i know about but like me and you would just never dream of comprehend. even knowing comprehend that yeah. like imagine being born into that and that's just your life uh sort of thing so and i feel like that once you're in that sort of system mm. it is very hard to get out yeah and the fact that you've had such a turnaround and, mm. you know, that's like, you know, yeah. there's remnants of, yeah. of memory and feeling and stuff, yeah. but for the most part, that's completely behind oh, you. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I remember thinking I'm not looking back because, yeah, the, the day we left, I remember just like I am not even looking back at the gate at this place. Yeah. And the feeling of walking out of that place gives the same uh, triggers that you're talking about earlier, but good triggers. Like yeah. I can just picture it now, like walking out and that feeling of getting out and the day before, um, you know, it was just, it would be unmatched to anything that I ever feel again, I think. Like, Better than Christmas. Oh, it was just so insane. I remember just thinking we are out and, uh, yeah, walking out the gates and getting processed and uh, I remember just thinking I was spinning out. And I, for a week there I was – literally spinning out like even yeah. just adjusting back and looking at a phone for the first time yeah. facetiming someone and being like whoa all right hold up like yeah. put it back a little bit like what's going on here and um had a beer and i had one beer and i was blind yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um because i hadn't well we actually did drink in there they ferment their own alcohol in there so they're pretty cluey in that like what i was touching on they're yeah. intelligent they ferment they collect fruit and ferment their own alcohol wow. and then the guards try and find it and it's like a game nearly yeah. in a way, like back and forward uh but we had some uh goon on christmas and uh yeah it didn't taste very good at all but sort of like when you're in School and mm. the kid throws the rubber at the yeah. fan, sort of thing. It's yeah, sort of same environment. A hundred percent. But yeah. then, es yeah, but exactly what you're saying. Uh, and we had to do a Christmas in there, um, which was pretty tough. And I remember one of the toughest parts was I was playing for Aspie that year, and um, they actually won the grand final, and I wasn't a part of it. I was in yeah, jail, yeah. and it'll still haunt me forever because I've never won. I've lost the last two grand finals of my life, like this year and last year, uh, and I missed that one in 2017. Yeah. And uh, they won a flag and. Remember just that day was just like just a flattening experience, yeah. hey. Like, and I go for the Crows. They played in the Granny that year, and I remember watching the Granny wanting my team to lose because I was like, if they win this Granny, I do not want to be sitting here in yeah. a cell watching this. Like, I want to be out partying, yeah. and celebrating. So when Richmond beat the Crows, I was actually like low key happy, happy. Yeah, like it sounds crazy to get go against your own team, but um, you know, if they won, I would have been stoked for them. But when they lost, I wasn't like I was like fuck. Dodged a bullet nearly in a way, yeah. and they can't get near it now. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so there was a few things that some days, and you know, everyone was at Falls one year for New Year's because we were in over New Year's. We didn't, get, we didn't get out. We got out on Australia Day in 2018. Yeah. What are the chances of that? Yeah. Like on out the day that we um, committed the crime two years earlier. Like you can't make this shit up. Like just the whole experience just didn't seem real when you even talk about little things like that. And yeah, so there were some days where I was just genuinely flat as a tack. Like. Yeah genuinely just like 
miserable. I slept a lot. Like I'd sleep for like eight or ten hours a night and nap during the day because yeah. I was like, time will just pass quicker if I just sleep. Um, and just trained twice a day and turned into an absolute rig of a human being. Yeah. Like trained a lot. Um, and it kills time, passes time. Um, you can chat to blokes while you do it, sort of thing. So. Yeah. But it was mind numbing, honestly. Like your same daily routine and yeah. waking up and nothing really changes. And yeah, just twiddling your thumbs until six months or stuff. Yeah, like people think a nine to five is repetitive, but yeah, you know, try that. Oh yeah, try that. Yeah. And there was little things that broke it up, but it was co- by the time I settled in, it was probably two to three months in, got settled, and then I was like, fuck, I've only got two to three months to go here. Yeah. Like, and then once you start counting down, time goes slower. It's like. Yeah, once the countdown started, it really started to drag on the last month or so. And, um, yeah, we yeah we missed the whole summer because we were in over summer, got out Jan, and, yeah, obviously everyone was up to some cool stuff back then and yeah. we were missing out. And But we had each other as well, which is a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, we were together for the whole six months, all three of us. Yeah. We went in. Apart from that 11 days, we had each other as well, which is huge. And that's a bond that will be unbreakable forever, us three. And we're not as close now as what we used to be. Or we have we'll that connection. Have that connection for sure. And, um, yeah, no doubt about it. You, got, you don't go through something like that with blokes and not have a connection. 100%. We have the opposite. Yeah. One of the yeah, two. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. And the people closest to me through that period, we have a connection as well, especially Chels. Like, yeah. the way she stuck fat by me is just, yeah, I, I can't believe she did. Like, that was going through my head as well like you know over that six months it's like fuck my my girlfriend gonna leave me over this like not yeah like i was those thoughts went through my head a lot of the time and um blokes in there they have that happen to them a lot like they have misses and then while they're in there they piss off and so there's blokes planting ideas in your head and you're like no no no," you know because they're different and their girls are different whereas mine yeah, she stuck fat by me and yeah. I can't thank her enough for, for doing all that. And we have that same bond now, that connection that's probably unbreakable. Yeah, and shout out to Chelsea. Shout out to Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. big shout out to Chelsea. She's a ledge, mate. That's incredible. Yeah. And yeah, I think pass, we had Trav on last time as well mm. and he spoke about his partner. But it's yeah. so awesome to have like, you know, incredible people on here. Yeah. But then here of equally incredible people oh, that are yeah. behind you yeah. guys that are... The crazy thing about Chelsea was as well was when I met her, I was charged. So um, started seeing her and she didn't know and wasn't fully public. And I had to have this conversation with her like, hey, um, you know, I'm charged with this. And the fact that she didn't care, because at that time I was thinking a lot of people were, a lot of people were getting, like on social media and stuff, we were getting shredded, like yeah. ripped to pieces by people. Um, you know, you monsters, you deserve this, you deserve this. I didn't read into it too much, but... Um, we were getting shredded. Like that was what the um, the Facebook posts were saying. And, um, you know, for her to, um, you know, still want to see me even after hearing that. And then um, uh, through that whole process of just being an idiot in that 18 months and hitting the piss and stuff, I nearly lost her. And yeah. um, I decided to move up here. And I was going no matter what. Yeah. I was like, I need to get out of here. I'm making stupid decisions. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm underperforming on what I'm capable of, right? Yeah. And that's how I found the, the gym and, and the business. And so I took off uh, up the coast and I said, Shell's come with me. And it seemed crazy at the time. I still don't know why she did it, but she did it. She yeah. came with me and we haven't looked back and um, we're still together now. So it's a pretty crazy little story of how we um, sort of met and went through that and then moved up here and how we're still together today through that whole process. That's yeah. just something that, 
most couples just would crumble at. It really yeah. is. And um, but there's been no sign of that at any stage with us. It's just been strong. So That's um, beautiful, man. Yeah, That's it is. Unreal. It really is, hey. Yeah. It is when you think about it. And, uh, yeah, I can't thank her enough for her support and, you know, chatting to her on the phone and writing me letters. And, That's um, She came in on Christmas, actually. So it's weird. On Christmas at Gatton, you get to bring a couple of family members into the jail. Yeah. So she came in on Christmas and actually inside the jail. And yeah. they put on, like, a spread of uh, food and they put music on it. Super weird. You wouldn't think that ever happens at a jail, but yeah. they do it again for select prisoners only. But anyway, yeah, she's come in and there's these massive tatted up prisoners walking around like yeah. all these crims and you can just see her like, how have you done this for six months? Like, yeah. uh, my mum was the same. She was like, what? And I'm like, oh no, that's so-and-so. He's sweet, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And they're looking at him like judging a book by his cover. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 he's sweet. He's all good. But I'm yeah. different again because I'm like, I've been a crim for the last five months. So, yeah. you know, like, uh, it's not like I'd walk up to him on the street and be like, hey, it's yeah. like he knows there was that mutual respect of us both being prisoners at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah, but crazy little side story there. 100%. So coming out of, of jail and mm. then obviously adapting mm. and I'm, I'm sure that you would have found or had so much gratitude for oh, yeah. things that you would have <laughs> never thought about. Yeah. Like, I can imagine even just like maybe standing on carpet or getting yeah. in bed, like a nice clean bed sheet or mum's mm. cooked dinners yeah. or that sort of stuff I can certainly imagine. And then is that when the coast moved happened just after that? Uh, I was already on the coast. Yeah, I was already yeah. on the coast. Um, so I did a couple of days in Brizzy. I had the business. This is the other crazy thing is my business survived this, which is just a spin out. Like, wow. um, so, yeah, I had a couple of – uh, I had a client at the time and she still works with me today and we, we also have a special bond through this whole process. Uh, she, um, she sort of was able to help me out and, and keep the thing alive and it was a very small boot camp back then. It wasn't really a, a business as such but um, I remember, you know, thinking I'll lose clients over this for sure. Like, you know, they're not going to – they're going to – not going to want to train with me. And I had clients that stick fat that still train with me today through That's that whole incredible. process, which yeah. is just a spin out, man. And, uh, yeah, I remember thinking the business was, I came back. I had a, maybe a month or so of just chilling out and just adjusting and then needed to do something. So yeah. I got back into um, running a few sessions and getting the biz back and sort of took it back over and, yeah, got some momentum there and sort of used – I haven't used that direct story, but it's helped me a lot in business, that whole process. It really has because um, – yeah, you don't go through something like that and not come out stronger at the other side. One hundred percent. So, yeah. um, it's hugely helped me hang in there with business, um, and um, especially through COVID and stuff. Like um, a challenge again, but um, different, I guess. But uh, yeah, most people have gone through something like that, and then you know have to come out and look for a job. I was lucky that I came out and still had a job, and yeah. my, I was going to be unaffected, sort of thing. And um, yeah, kept charging with that. So yeah, there was so many things that I was grateful for. Just watching footy properly again, having a beer and just, yeah, yeah. not that I took them for granted, but just your everyday things just yeah. felt so much better, like amplified, I guess. And um, yeah, I had a couple of big nights on the piss when I first got out. It didn't last long, obviously. Cause, yeah, yeah. Uh, not no, sustainable. Yeah, no, I wasn't, wasn't piss fit, that's for sure. But yeah, just being around people that I loved and had been chatting to for six months was a big part because a lot of people writing to me and telling me and – I remember just thinking when I got out and saw them, it was like, oh, you know, I just want to have a beer with you and, yeah. and go back to business as much as possible and um, just get back to get back to it, really. And that's yeah. really what I did. I just knuckled down and uh, here we are today, two and a half years later. I'm still talking about it a little bit here and there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's good to bring this stuff to light. Yeah, and dude, it's 
epic. Like it's crazy, someone, man. So unreal. Like your story is incredible. It's crazy. It's and every time we sit down and talk about it, like it's very rare we sit. I sit down and talk about it like this. This is such an awesome thing to do for me as well because uh, it does reiterate for me. Um, you know how I handled it and the proudness of it, and it gives me goosebumps this whole time. I've been having goosebumps running up my arms and going back to those certain situations. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'll still have people occasionally be like, you know, what? Uh, how was jail? Like on the piss, someone I you know know. How you know what was jail like? And I'll briefly give them a rundown, but yeah. never actually sit down and talk about it from start to finish like this. Like different parts of it get brought up in conversation uh, here and there. Um, but yeah, to sit down and go from start to finish. Like there's been a few times we've been chatting, I'll be like, oh, and then this layer, there's just so many layers to it yeah. as well with how it went down. And um, yeah, I know it, 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 it's a long story, but it's worth sharing. And um, yeah, it just gets, as it gets deeper, it gets more... Um, consuming I think as well and, and more I don't know Impressive how we Actually got through that Like how did we actually Do that And go through that And come out the other side Is just Yeah Spin out to me Still yeah. now Like if yeah Having Reflecting on it In mm. different Ways Having conversations With different people Bring up different things yeah. But I think The way you tell your story And Your Attitude towards the story mm. There's no you know, resentment towards that person. Yep. There's, there's none. no, yeah. there's none of those sort of negative things attached to it. Yeah, and that's very admirable. And mm. that's something that a lot of people, no matter what situation they're mm. going through, whether they've had something in their life like that, yeah, or even it's a tough situation, to be able to take on a lot of the things from yeah. your story, like you know, putting on the boots on and saying, right, we're going to get through this, mm. or even just not holding any resentment toward mm. you know. Yeah, there's yeah a lot of things in people's lives where people can say they did this to me. I'm like this because yeah, of that. Blame a little bit. Yeah, or just, I did this, so I'm this person yep. forever. Like you know, taking that ownership. Hundred percent. I'm really big and have had this drilled into me. Once I sort of moved to the coast, and this is one of the big uh, onus of the gym was living above or below the line. Yeah. And if you're living below the line, then you're blaming other people. You're not taking responsibility for your actions. And um, yeah, like I said, you sort of you know blaming. Like you said, pointing fingers, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas living above the lines, just taking ownership for the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that is involved in your life is completely on you. Like That's it really it. is. And until you make that switch and take that ownership, then you can't control uh, you can't control the negatives and the positives. You don't have ownership of either of them. And uh, it really is a control thing. And being content and controlled with uh, how you how you go about everything and how you do the little things, how you do everything for me as well. And uh, yeah, like you said, I, I feel confident when I talk and how we've spoken. I don't have any shyness. And I said to you, I'm an open book because yeah. I'm just so totally content with uh, how it went down and how I handled it. And uh, although a lot of people would probably just never want to talk about it again. I try and use it as much as I can on platforms like this. I think it's so perfect to reach people that need to hear it as well. Um, so yeah, it is as long as being like a hectic story, it's so many uh, learnings and things that people can take away from it as well. Yeah. It's incredible. And one thing that has probably resonated with me just in my own journey over mm. the past, oh, maybe a couple months, even longer is just being able to have like genuine connection with mm. people. Yeah. So, like, you're saying, like, surface-level conversations. Someone's like, how's Joe? And you just yeah. go, oh, yeah, this, that, and that. Yeah. Like, it's very surface-level. Yeah, it is, yeah. Being able to sit with someone, talk about – with no sort of filter on, yeah. 
open book, mm. talk, share that eye contact, yeah. and be authentic. Talk about how you feel. Yeah. There's no filters. That transparency is the connection that everybody right now is yearning for. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you're 100% right. You're yeah. spot on, man. And yeah, uh, the surface level stuff, like you said, is is really common. But um, yeah, the way we've done it tonight is, yeah, like I said, I had goosebumps, you had goosebumps. Yeah. And uh, it, it it's so rare that I sit down and tell it like this and um, in one go like that and we just bounce off and uh, chat about different things that, you know, you're taking away from it as well. And, um, yeah, because what I've learned is, you know, you see different things and see spots that, you know, I didn't really realise either. So, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. It is. It's really crazy. But... I hope everyone has something to take away from your yeah, story. It's so incredible yeah. and I know people will mm. and we're going to hear a lot of feedback. I hope everyone loves to see that mullet up on, <laughs> on the Instagram. And yeah. yeah, this connection is just what people need. I think if people can take that away from mm. this as well yeah. is, you know, have those harder conversations, you know. Yeah, 100%. You know, what, what thanks put out there, have those conversations that aren't just surface level when yeah. you meet someone next don't just go and talk about the weather they yeah. just say how hot it is or how cold it is or yeah how busy you are you know ask someone you know what are you grateful for at yeah. the moment what's going well what's something you feel like you need to do right now or yeah break that level yeah 100 percent. and being able to take that sort of feedback is huge as well and you know trying to uh, make people better as as a person and doing that consistently is 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 admirable as well and that's obviously what you guys are all about uh, hugely and the following you're building is great and you guys are just sort of building into being something huge and uh i'm really looking forward to watching what you guys are able to do and i'm glad that i was able to come on and be a part of the process as well because um like you said there's not enough people having those conversations out there um for a whole range of reasons but the ones that are able to and are willing to go and you know kick the stigma behind it they're the ones that are going to kick goals and you know be a huge part of uh changing the way we we live which is which is you know impact on so many people's lives 100 percent, and we really appreciate that you know we just feel like two young blokes who just want to spread a message and yeah. for it to be picked up and yeah. carried as well as it is yeah is something that still hasn't really hit us yeah and you know the more that we grow the more we can help young oh, lads and the even with what's happened over the past couple of months like yeah. we've if you might have seen the breathwork stuff that yep. happens on the yeah. beach. So yeah. cool to be conscious. So cool, man. They the ticket sales from that, yeah. Um, like a big portion of that comes towards to us. Yeah. And what we do with that is we sponsor young blokes to go and do stuff. Cool, man. So That's we so have cool. Like yeah. Four young blokes go yeah. try breathwork, jump in the ice bars, yeah. hang out, connect, have these conversations. Yeah. And even for just us two young blokes to be able to sit down and have a conversation like this mm. is means the world us yeah and i appreciate it. i'm glad i was able to be part of the journey for you guys and uh yeah like you said what you guys are doing is impact driven and there's not a lot of people that are driven by impact these days everyone's caught in their own sort of world uh, but once you sort of branch out and um i'm impact driven the same as you guys on a different level and doing it in, in a different way but um i yeah i just can't 
once people have that experience of helping someone else and, and then, you know, it flows on, you're able to help lots of people, there's just there's no greater feeling. There really isn't. And uh, you guys are obviously doing it um, in such a cool way. And, you know, I've got my gym and I'm doing it every day with people helping them kick some ass. And it's just something about it that uh, once you get attached to it, it really does. It becomes ingrained in you in yeah. a lot of ways. And uh, that's sort of, you know, it's crazy how I ended up in that situation that I was able to do that. But... Um, yeah, I haven't looked back ever since I did, and you guys are the same. You've obviously jumped in, and now it's really snowballing for you, and you guys are only going to do more awesome things as uh, things roll along, which is really cool. And you too, brother. I see how big the gym is now. Shut your business out. Go on. Uh, yeah, Vibe Fitness Studios, Calandra. If you're in the Calandra area, you want to come down some uh, boot camp goals and join us uh, we have heaps of fun and um, our clients are the best man like I said some of them stuck with me through this whole process and um, we really have built an awesome community of people and like-minded people um, so the gym's so tricky these days with uh, you know self-esteem and whatnot we got no mirrors we're just all about making fitness fun and enjoying each other's company and um, we've got some awesome trainers that started as clients and we had a huge impact on them they got some awesome results and wanted to become trainers and you know now try and help clients and yeah. that's sort of how it snowballs so when you get all those sort of people in one room all the time it's powerful it's you know energy's a certain understanding yeah the energy is crazy and i'm a high energy guy like yeah. i just am and um i think the business reflects that in a lot of ways and um you know if someone's having a bad day they come in punch a session out and you know they walk out feeling you know so much better and they're just yeah. so thankful that they came in so um it's even more important in the climate we're in now to look after your physical health and mental health and um yeah have a positive relationship with exercise is obviously really important as well and we try and promote that as much as we can that yeah. we're not in there to set world records at our sessions you know we're in there to have some fun and um yeah that's what we're all about mate so, so have a community too yeah it's a community big yeah. part we do different things and you know we'll go and do a certain morning challenge then we'll go for coffee and we'll brekkie and uh yeah we, we uh, have social events christmas parties that sort of thing that's what people come back to the gym for as a yeah. community they don't come back to do push-ups and squats like they come back to be part of something um we call ourselves the vibe tribe and uh once you're, there, yeah, once you're in the tribe mate yeah you, you're never leaving so uh love it mate i love it it's uh it's good fun it's my it's it's my life it is uh wake up every day and you know, first thing in the morning, you're helping people. It's just such a good way to start your day. Yeah. Incredible, man. And if you leave everyone with maybe one piece of advice, a mm. quote or something, yeah. something out there, I'll do the same. Yeah. But what do you reckon that'd be? Good. I think after chatting now to you about, you know, who may be listening to this uh, and what we chatted about earlier, and the big thing that I want everyone to take away from my story um, is – Wherever you're at in your life right now, uh, I reckon just if you're not feeling content with where you are, if you think that you're capable of more, and even if there's an itching feeling, like even if it's the smallest feeling, then don't shy away from that. Like really t tap into that and, and really understand where that's coming from and, and, and don't be shy to go out and get out of your comfort zone and try something different and, and uh, you know... You don't have to go out and dominate the world, but uh, if there's something there and you think you can serve a greater purpose in your life, then we need more people like that in the world that aren't just falling into line with everyone else and 
doing things because their parents did it. Like we need people out there who are, you know, initiative thinking and 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 be true. If that you can find that in true and have it be true to you, it makes it you know a, a huge difference in the chemistry of uh, where you're going to go with it. And I found that for me that, um, you know, I'm not wasn't a gym person at the time, but I found my passion for helping people by yeah. taking a risk, and uh, it's really snowballed from there. So I'm sure there's a few people listening that are you know just doing a trade or just doing this because that's what they thought that they should do when they yeah. finish school uh, especially if you're a young fella like and you guys are a perfect example as well of you know really taking action on something that you felt passionate about and now it's really snowballing you haven't looked back and you haven't regretted a single second of it so and i'm the same i think we can really relate on that so if there's anyone listening that's got that small itch they want to do something i reckon just go for it jump in and uh don't look back 100% and that's exactly along the lines what I was going to say as well. Yeah. It's so relatable for both of us, hey? Yeah, like follow your heart. Whatever mm. your heart feels pulled to do, go mm. and do it. Yeah. There's a quote, I think it's from Tony Robbins, and he goes... He's the man, hey? He is. Hi, I'm Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. 100%, bro. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's people who go, yeah, well, I hate working a trade, but I'm going to do it because I can have good money and have yeah. a house, but... I, I think there's more billionaires out there that are miserable than happy. Oh, 100%, bro. And money is a big part of it. And the way that people are driven for money these days is just, yeah, it's yeah it's toxic for a lot of people. And like you said, you can be a billionaire and be miserable. Like yeah. you really can. And people think money is going to solve all their issues. But, yeah, I mean, we're lucky that we've realised at a really young age that we're purpose-driven. Yeah. And what we're able to get out of that is, uh, you know, hugely fulfilled um, through helping people like yeah. it really is and uh, it, it, it's addictive once you start helping a few people and you know it just becomes a, a part of what you do and it just becomes a part of who you are and that's just how you live your life and that's just how I live my life now I just yeah. try and you know be the energy in the room and um, yeah I'm thinking you know to come down here and just chat about this knowing that it's going to help people uh you, you know that's what i'm all about that's why i snapped up the chance to chat to you guys and i've done the couple of pods that i have and it's why i came to the realization that i would be doing a lot of people a disservice by not doing that thanks video yeah uh, you know at first i was thinking this is going to be embarrassing go out and do this thanks video and tell everyone that you went to jail for rape like you're going to look like an idiot and then i realized that this isn't about me. Like, it's not. Yeah. This video serves such a greater purpose than, uh, you know, me looking like an idiot. Like, there's people out here that can, uh, you know, tap into this and learn a bit and, you know, it might steer them to make the right decision on the piss or, you know, it might make them think twice or it might just help them get through a challenging day or a challenging time. And that's really what I'm about. And when I had that switch of the... You know the the flicks uh the yeah the switch flicked i was like i, I got to do this and went all in on it and that's why i'm so you know grateful to be able to come and chat and do this now and i'm so confident with what i say because i know that's going to help someone out there and that's what i'm all about so when this comes when that sort of links for someone and it's linked for me it just becomes so much clearer yeah. uh that you know this is what i'm put on this earth to do yeah 100 percent well, dude, I think that's a perfect place to leave this off. Happy with that. We've had an epic two-hour conversation. Oof, have we really? Bang. Crazy. Crazy. But just wanted to say you're an incredible man. I'm privileged to have you on here. I'm privileged to now have you as a mate. Bloody 100%. Earth, mate. Bloody oath. After finding out how many uh, <laughs> mutual mates we got as well. Yeah. Definitely love to go down and have a beer. But, mate, thank you so much. I hope everyone has something amazing to take out of it uh, and keep on prospering. Legendary. You. Cheers, brother.